This is the tale thus far. Deep in the dune seas of Maya lies Mareel, the last standing city of Mashkala. This is a city of magi and mystics, thieves and cutthroats, a city where the shadows themselves watch your every move. In this place, a band of unlikely adventurers will come together to unearth ancient artifacts, hidden temples, and a plot that threatens the very fabric of reality. A plot beyond the control of the gods above and below is unfolding. In this dark time, a folk story has come to light, and the only hope for the survival of the city and all of creation may be a legendary artifact known as the Crown of Queens. Chapter One, welcome to Maya. <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. Hi, I don't know why you're here. Uh, you're actually probably here because um, we have a really fantastic group of players uh, who have joined me on an adventure. Um, welcome to the Crown of Queens. This is the sister podcast, The Great Old Ones, for oldmagicgaming.com. And I am absolutely thrilled to be here. New batch players for you. And a brand new adventure, and I think it's going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun, and we're going to get to meet them all as we move through the game. I'm just going to, quick off the bat, run through some brief rules for you people listening at home who may not be used to a game set in Maya. Maya is a homebrew world that I have been running since the early 90s. Um, it is a, I guess in the truest sense of the world, it is a uh, word, it is a living RPG. Time progresses in game kind of similarly to time progressing in the real world. So there's a lot of different ages and eras. So there's a lot of things that will be referenced because the game has had players in it since the early 90s. So for those of you kind of fami not familiar with my storytelling style, my name is Anton. Kind of a few of the base ground rules that I throw out before I start any game goes a little something like this. Um, number one, what happens at the table stays at the table. Anytime you hear party at each other's throat or at my throat or me going after them, uh, we're not actually mad at each other. It is all in game. We're all really close and um, I will never let anything get to a point where we're actually coming to, to stress. We'll take a timeout, um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a role playing game. We try to keep it as immersive as possible. Sometimes emotions get high. These things happen. Don't worry. We're all still friends. Number two, party is never going to encounter something that doesn't have stats or hit points or is not defeatable in some way. Doesn't mean that they'll be able to defeat it because dice rolls rule me just like it rules them. You know, if they want to go after a god or a five-headed dragon queen or what have you, and they decide to roll those dice, if the dice are in their favor, they'll win. And if the dice aren't in their favor, they'll understand why things are immune to six-level spells and lower. Number three, there's a risk and reward here. I'm not going to fudge dice rolls for myself, and I'm not going to fudge dice rolls for the players. Uh, I feel like players are playing. I don't want them to really lose the, uh, you know, the the, the thrill of uh, accomplishing something. So, I really don't go for that kind of DMing style where people let their PCs survive situations that they get themselves into. I think my players are super smart, and I'm very proud of them as people. And they're kind of hand selected players, and I think they're kind of great. So I think they'll be able to figure out ways to get out of situations and if they can't figure out ways to get out of situations then their characters will maybe die and if their friends can't figure out how to bring them back then they'll be rolling up new characters and uh, trying to figure out how to get back in the adventure 
these things happen, but I think it adds to the, the fun and the drama of the storytelling. And probably the, the most important rule is everything is under control. You guys are going to hear spells and monsters and stats and abilities that might not be what you're used to. I love reading all the books. Some of my players love reading all the books, love going through stats and stuff. Maya doesn't exactly work like every other world setting. I've got it under control. There's always a reason. There's always a plan. Like 98% of this stuff is planned out. So, uh, you know, if you guys hear a creature or a spell or an effect or something not do what you're familiar with it doing, I ask that you bear with me as listeners, bear with me as players, and understand that there may be things going on behind the scene that you're not aware of. I'm not just fudging stuff for, for no reason. Uh, yeah, there we go. So that's the weird interim rule stuff. Hopefully it wasn't super boring. That being said, welcome to Maya. Maya is a planet that is two and a half times the size of Earth. Well, a lot of these, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's got the same kind of biodiversity as Earth does. A crap ton more creatures, uh, monsters, and sentient races. It has been around for a very, very long time. Timelines in Meyer uh, recorded in ages since time has been recorded. There was a couple million years before time started getting recorded that things were happening. Um, but since time has been recorded, uh, they're recorded in ages. Each age is 10,000 years. In Maya, that is the lifespan, average lifespan of a dragon. So the dragons are more like elemental creatures in Maya. This isn't going to be like a thing where the party comes around a corner. And it's like, hey, we're going to get a fight with a dragon today. Doesn't happen in this world. Kind of have a brief idea of the setting. Join us for this adventure. I think it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. I guess, well, a lot of these stories, we start in a dark corner of a shadowy dank pub full of like brigands and adventurers armed to the teeth uh <laughs> well honestly the story kind of actually starts in a tavern it's not super dark uh it is sort of full of brigands and most of them might actually be armed to the teeth but i guess you know sometimes a trope is good so we're gonna start the adventure in a city of Muriel. uh Muriel is massive city population of a little over uh you know, 4 million people. It has been under a protective dome for a little over 200 years. Um, the entire world was dealing with a sickness that was infecting all sorts of things. And so a lot of the civilized parts of the world walled themselves off. So Muriel was one of those cities that did that. And uh, it is set in the middle of the Dune Sea, which is essentially an area roughly the size of Australia. That's a giant desert. Um, Muriel has some oasis and such in it so they can still get fresh water there's vegetation there's a thriving community and it's run by guilds we'll get into all of these fun little nuances of the city as we roll along but right now let's focus on the three questions the three questions is a gambling parlor uh where people play shatter shatter is a betting game involving two dice that you put inside of a cup you shake the cup uh, you flip the cup upside down the cup is typically made of copper uh, you flip the cup upside down, and uh, you bet on if it's going to be evens or odds. And um, it, it kind of, that's that's how it runs. That's the main form of betting in the city. I mean, there are still card games and dart, di uh, darts and, you know, other, other little games of chance here and there. People bet on, you know, foot races and fighting pits and what have you. But this is kind of not the, 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 the civilized uh, underbelly game of chance that people enjoy. So there's a lot of betting parlors that are revolved around this. And uh, so we are uh, actually going to start in this kind of uh, warm, fun little gambling parlor. The air is warm. It's not super uncomfortable. 
the air it has like a fragrance to it of lotus and sage and uh there's a lot of laughter and conversation going on in the room outside there's people moving in and out they've got spiced meats they're they're enjoying themselves they're picking up uh women from the brothels men from the brothels this gambling parlor has silks and such hanging from the stone ceiling and it's just kind of a squat little building the majority of the patrons are engaged in uh you know in games mostly games of shatter sitting at a table topped with soft leather leather are uh, four people uh, one's a scar-faced dwarf with uh, gold-capped teeth one is a balding human who seems to be down to his last few uh, coins. Uh, there's a thin elf with rose-colored eyes and skin the color of a heartwood. And there's a, there's a man who could be described as uh, inscrutable. And this inscrutable fellow is played by uh, our buddy Jim. Jim, why don't you explain, uh, introduce yourself and explain your character. My character's name is Plarion the Inscrutable, and he has a flair for the dramatic. He thinks he's a lot better and smarter and uh, stronger than he actually is, but he loves a good game of Shatter, loves a good uh, good uh, travel, and he loves the stars. He uh, he follows the uh, the god of travel. The god of travel's name is Volkos. And he's uh, probably he's at the table right now playing some Shatter, laughing way too loud. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, um, and currently he's also up 17 silver. He's huh. having a good night. The stars are in my favor, friends, <laughs> as they always are. <laughs> so you watch, uh, you watch as a gnome smoking a brass pipe. Um, that's the dealer of the game. Um, more of an overseer because it's not cards, but it's, it's tradition to make sure that nobody's using any sleight of hand or anything to change the dice rules. Um, you watch as this gnome uh, is uh, wrapping his knuckles on the table, and he goes... All right, now place your bets. Starting bid goes to the gentleman. Any motions towards you? What would you like your starting bid to be? Oh, I'm on a roll. I'm, I'm going to the obviously the stars favor me. I'm going to put down ten silver for evens. Oh, hmm. The the threadbare human uh, kind of size. Um, hmm. Well, um, <clears throat> he straightens his, uh, his his kind of janky clothes and he says, uh, "Well, uh, well, well, thank you for your time." Uh, I am grateful for a chance to win my fortune, but but perhaps next time. For now, uh, fortune is not in my favor. Any... Oh, come, come. Well, oh, he currently walks away. Back? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, thank you, sir. I, I do believe that it is uh, it is time for me to leave before I am uh, completely out of money. Oh, that is disappointing. And so he, he kind of uh, hurriedly, uh, very stiffly walks into the crowd. The elf... Smiles at you and slides the silver into play, easily able to match your bet. And then uh, there's the dwarf. Dwarf seems a little short on money, but in all seriousness, not enough coin. Uh, so she she reaches underneath the table and she pulls out a flask. She opens it with her gold capped teeth and uh, she kind of drains the entire thing and then grins at you with this this smile that looks like the teeth underneath the gold haven't seen uh, any form of cleaning in quite some time. And uh, she screws the, the top onto the flask, and she tosses it on the table. Uh, you want to make a perception check to see how much you think it might be worth? Sure. All right, it's so a 17. Um, things you notice about the flask. So the flask is uh, it's made of silver. It seems to have a leviathan, like a sea serpent, on the, uh, on the front of it that's been carved into the metal. There's a there's a name on the back you can't quite make it out but it's uh it's it's tapped in there in uh in, in like it looks like somebody has scratched it in themselves but you can't quite see uh 
what the name is. I think you think if you rolled a little higher, you could have caught it when she flung it. But it's definitely worth the money and maybe a little bit more. It looks like it's pretty valuable family heirloom. I guess you're in, friend dwarf. Ah, all right. She rubs her hands together. So you guys all load your dice into a cup. I'd like you to roll me two d six and tell. Before you do that, tell me if you bet evens or odds. Evens. Okay. Roll me two d six. Look at that. Oh, big winner. Uh, the dwarf. She looks. She looks a little crestfallen. Oh. Praise Volkos. Ha <laughs> ha. You know my grandpa always warned me about those traveling gods. She stands <laughs> up and she offers you a hand. I take her hand and shake it. Shake it. Oh, good game, good game. You can buy me a drink later. And she turns around and she saunters off her kilt, uh, you know, kind of flowing in the wind. So uh, she moves over to the bar. Looks very out of place in the city. She actually came in with the first caravan. See, that's the thing about Maya listeners, or that's the thing about uh, the real listeners. The city has been um, under this protective dome, so there's been no imports for such a very long time that we had they you know the first time that a caravan came through they sold out of everything um you know they, they couldn't keep their wagons because everybody in the city was so hungry for anything from outside and and they were just able to kind of get rid of everything some of the people that stayed with the first caravan were uh, were a band of uh, uh i guess we would call them um gymnasts uh the very physical dwarves they brew and they smith um, and they're just a little clan of them, and they've set up shop in the city, and that's what they do. They hang out, and she's she's clearly one of them, um, cracking or crooking, something to that effect. Um, but they're they're completely out of place in this setting. Uh, so, I'm going she, to ins- inspect my winnings, including this bottle I just bought. Oh, uh, it's a flask. It's it's a really really yes. beautiful flask. Yeah, um, feels very lightweight. Um, but it, it seems to be full. Yeah, she, she drained it, but it seems to be full. Hmm. I'm glad you take the cap off and smell. It smells very strong. Like, uh, if you could imagine. Yeah, like pure grain alcohol. I shrug and take a swig. Okay, make a constitution check. No. No. What it did. Oh, there you go. Let's take your. Let's. let's oh, yours is worse. You're the one. Mine are worse. You are blitzed. Uh, one Whoa. hit off. Yeah, one hit off of this, and all of a sudden the world. The entire room gets really warm and spinny. Things start to take on funny colors and shades. You feel as if uh, you're surrounded by the, the natural heat of reality seems to warm you from your Ooh. oh my this is strong strong dwarven beverage <laughs> yeah i need to step outside and get some air excuse me oh wait 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 you're not going to give me a chance to win back my money says the elf well fair is fair fortune favors a fair player very well let's play another round let's sit back there. so let us uh evens or odds what are you gonna bet i'll bet odds this time oh friend wow elf. The stars do shine upon me tonight. Mm. Praise Vorkas. He stands up and uh, straightens his hair. <sighs> Very well. Turns and leaves. So you have come into, at this point, to 20, 20, the house takes over. So you've gotten 30 silver off of this game at this point. Oh, I'm feeling the, the heat from this dwarven beverage. I'm going to go step outside and get <laughs> Fresh air and to depose myself from under the stars. 
As you stand up to step outside, um, you hear the sound of hammers in joy. Cushion reverberates through the crowd with this infectious bass. And you can see over the crowd on a small stone stage, the band is starting to warm up. And there in the back behind the Zatarus and the mandolin player is a familiar face. Uh, you actually know this guy from around town. Uh, Steve, could you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and explain your character? Or I am playing Gargolin Yelt. He is a dwarven bard. Um, uses uh, his two hammers in percussion-y kind of ways. Uh, he's wearing raggedy sort of clothes. He has a, a, a miner's helmet on with a big candle on the front of it. Um, looks like he's he's pretty road-worn. Uh, but he's enjoying himself. Fantastic. Um, so, Jim, you're going to step outside? Well, if my guy is drunk and he sees his friend, Gargly! <laughs> <laughs> How are you, old friend? Okay, so he's up on stage. You're trying to scream to him. There's lots of people in here. He can't quite hear you, but I'm gonna. You feel free to move yourself close to the stage if you want. I'll just watch the map, and we'll kind of go from there. The door is at the bottom of the structure. Yeah, the door is down here. Okay, I'm gonna kind of stagger my way here and, and try to get his attention. Okay. I know I'm getting his name wrong. Yeah, right. Um, my guy's drunk and not very <laughs> Steve, this evening intelligence of nine. So. <laughs> This evening, you find yourself working with a human and an orc from a band calling themselves Fool's Gambit. Normally, it's a three-piece, uh, consisting of a mandolin player, a zatarist, and a drummer. Um, but their drummer had a nasty run-in with uh, a member of the Guild of Coins over an overdue debt, and is currently unable to use his left hand. It is, uh, it is in multiple pieces. So, rather than being out of the coin for the gig that they had already booked, uh, they hired you as backup. And, uh, you know, their, their music is the basic favorites, um, nothing exceptional. They're kind of like a cover band, you know, the kind <laughs> of play like, like high, high class weddings and like, you know, uh, frat parties and stuff like that. Um, they play clubs, they, they normally play a room, but they get a pretty decent amount for rooms. They're well known, they're professional, like they're, they're professional musicians, they don't live in like a dive room. And so they, they kind of picked you up. You know, your particular brand of percussion, though, is a little bit harder than what their normal uh, percussionist plays, so you're kind of elevating what they're doing. It's, it's bringing a, a little bit more flavor to it. It's given, it's given a little bit more spirit to the normal nightly rotation. Um, so both of them seem to be a little bit more energetic and into it because you're there. They're kind of feeding off your energy. Well, I have uh, that effect on people. Exactly. Um, so they're, they're really just like getting into it. Um, and Markle, He's the, uh, he's the orc as a Taurist. Uh, Alec is the human mandolin player. Um, you know, Markle looks back at you and he's like, nicely done. Uh, I'm really glad you're with us this evening. And he kind of goes back to, to wailing on a zitar as only one could wail on a zitar. If you orc to wail on a zitar, I don't know if you knew that. And you know, the crowd is kind of moving and dancing and drinks are flowing and gamblers are gambling and everybody's having a really good time. But I need you to make me a perception check. All right. Okay, so you can hear your friend screaming to you from the crowd. <laughs> can I can uh, I see him or can I just hear him? Oh, you can see him. Yeah, there's there's oh. a lot of people in here, but you can kind of see him. I'll uh, I'll point one of my hammers towards him and kind of recognition, and then I'll slam oh, them. Yeah, yeah, that's my boy Gargly. All right, <laughs> start stomping and clapping along with the music out of time, of course. Of course, that guy would have it no other way. 
<laughs> so you guys are just having a good time. Um, everything's kind of going going a little wacky. Uh, people are just moving, shaking, bodies are colliding. Everybody's having a lot of fun. All of a sudden, there's like a there's like a the lantern light begins to flicker and fade, and it kind of casts everything in here because the way the silks are hanging and in like this really uncomfortable gloom. And then all of a sudden, a scream rips through the crowd. And you can feel like everyone tense up, you know? It's, it's the kind of scream that it would be if somebody like cut their finger really badly behind the bar or, you know, uh, somebody passed out at a table. But then all of a sudden there's another scream and then there's gasps. And then all of the crowd kind of surges towards the door. Um, and you can see through the crowd these bioluminescent faces. Uh, they're gaunt and they're spectral. And you know their lips seem to be pulled back over their their skulls. So their their gums and teeth are exposed, and they're semi-transparent. These these kind of apparitions start appearing uh, near the bar. They're just coming out from behind the bar and swiping at the crowd. Uh, so you know, Steve, you being up on stage, Garland being up on stage, he's not caught in the in the swarm. But uh, and I know I'm going to say this wrong. Pellerin, Pellerin. Uh, Plarion. Plarion. Okay. Plarion. Plarion. See, I'm, I'm. I have to. It's gonna take me a game or two to get everybody's pronunciations correct. Um, that's gonna happen. So I'm gonna start taking my my DM notes. Uh, all right. Plarion. It's actually an astronomical term. Oh, nice. Is that kind of like Clarion? It's pronounced the same way, but with a P. Yeah. Nice. So uh, you're gonna need to make me a Dex check at a negative two as the crowd surges. No, I rolled a six reflex. No, you are you are going to be knocked to the floor. Not surprised, because I'm drunk off my ass. Right. Alright, let's do initiative. First combat of the game! Woo! Clarion is going on a twenty. Garland is Garglin is going on an eleven. I am going on in the band is going on a four. Cause they're uh they're no schlubs. They're gonna stay and fight with you guys. So these, uh, yeah, these figures—they're like—they uh, look—they look, they look uh, if you could imagine, like like undead. They're wearing um, kind of uh, moldering leather armor and robes. You can kind of see through bits of their skin. Uh, you can see bits of bone exposed, uh, but they're—they're they're transparent. Like it, it seems like their skin is transparent, and then their bones underneath is transparent. So it's like a screwing with your perception as they're lurching towards you. Um, from behind the bar, and uh, this one. So I, I guess first things first. Um, Clarion, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to. Does it take me around to stand up? That'd be half action. So you can take another partial action once you stand. I'm going to call upon the power of the traveler. <laughs> Go for it. Aldrin of the Infinite. Okay, activating that allows me to attack and cast against incorporeal opponents. Uh, as if they're under the effect of Ghostbane Dirge. So that means Good. I can fight them without minuses and stuff. Awesome. So, uh, that'll probably be my round right there. That will be your round. Steve, what you doing, bro? Um, <clears throat> I am going to use one of my um, uh, portic music counts to inspire courage in my allies here. Okay. I don't think you have to. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't have to do it. anything. But uh, everybody gets a plus two. Sweet. Cool. I can, right. use it. <laughs> I can use it right now. I'm a little impaired. 
so this guy is going to engage uh, the orc. And he, this one right here is actually going to try to chomp down on one of the uh, gamblers. This guy's going after the dealer, who would be over here. Uh, there's, there's not miniatures on the board for these guys. You're going to have to use your imagination. Um, this one's just kind of shambling out. And I'm going to swipe on you. 18. 18 hit. Uh, I have a 19 AC, so no. Nope, and a 10 doesn't hit either. It swipes at you twice, it doesn't see. So it just, it's raking towards you uh, with its ghostly hands, but they just don't seem to be tangible enough to cut into your armor. But you can kind of feel this... Um, it's almost as if the air is full of chlorine. It has a very chemically feel to it. It's not... You've, you've seen specters and ghosts before. You've seen... Uh, you know, in your line of work and being around for a while, these things happen from time to time. Uh, you know, things steal your energies, bro. But this, uh, this is more of a, uh, this is different. It's more chemically. It's like a chemical in the air. Um, and it, it really strikes you as strange. Okay. All right. Is uh, my paladin detect evil thing? Is that does that take a round or is that an? Uh, oh, it's a free action. Yeah, free action. that's a free action. Okay. Do I detect evil? Uh, yes. These things are evil. Okay. I'm going to uh, lay on hands. Oh, okay. The one right by me and do uh, 46 worth of damage. Roll them beautiful dice. I roll a melee attack. Uh, yeah, roll to hit it. Roll to hit its touch AC. Yeah. 27. Yeah, I would say you touch the hell out of the guy. Reach out and touch <laughs> some ghostly dude. Okay. Hey, just touch on that ghostly dude. Just touch on it. Just okay. lay your fingers on it. Okay, so that's a total of nineteen. Nice. Um, it it looks like you've you've dispelled a good amount of its energies um, with that blow. Um, it looks like more than half of it is now not cool. just incorporeal but non-existent but it's still kind of coming at you okay this orc just jumps at this ghost and uh and completely passes through it and lands face first on the floor um and the human moves over here and uh starts uh swinging a stool that he grabbed at this one yep with his unarmed it looks like he clips the thing right in the face and knocks it back a little bit He's like, hey, get get it. What, it. what is this? This one's going after the gnome. Seems to have uh, had a pretty decent time knocking the... This one is engaged with the bar patron. This one's kind of trying to turn around and figure out how somebody just moved through him. Swings on him. So, here I go. I'm going to take my tax. Coming after you. Jim, I sure left it. Didn't, didn't yep. specify. Sorry about that. That's okay. I'm right here. I figured. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there. And you just did some serious damage to me. So, so okay. 19 will hit you. 19 hits for 4. Okay, so there's there's some added wahitas here. I need you to save. Ooh, oh. second one of the night you rolled. Yeah. Okay, so you are now slowed. Uh, <laughs> right? Drunk and slowed. And slowed. Okay, awesome. The affected creature moves and attacks at a drastically slower rate. Creatures affected by the spell are staggered and can take only a single move action or stand action each turn, but not Additionally, you're on a negative one penalty to attacks, AC, and reflex slaves. Okay. And your movement is short by five foot. And you took four points of damage. Got it. So that would then be... Uh, Steve, what you doing, bruh? 
What is the... What's the crowd doing? They're running. They're trying to get out of there. Um, basically, this bar patron that got knocked down, um, she's being consumed. Uh, well, not, it, it doesn't look like they're eating them as much as they're just, like, attacking them. Like they're like a dog with a bone. They're just kind of worrying with them. This one is uh, is going at it on the gnome. He's just kind of batting the gnome around, that, that dealer that was at the table. Uh, this one is turning around and trying to go after the orc that was you were currently playing with. This one is dealing with the human, swinging a, uh, a chair at his head. And this one is going after Jim. Um, the crowd is leaving. They're trying to get the hell out of there quickly. Everybody's kind of emptying out. I'm going to cast Good Hope on Jim. Okay. And we'll, we'll get to you guys soon, I promise. It's just... No, no, no. It's, it's just pacing. Talking. Yeah. Because you guys are going to sit out for a bit when I jump to other players, so... I'm enjoying watching you fail for it and save some time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> That's the tease. I'm, I'm so having a good time as well. So. I'm going to eat a Tide Pod. I'm leaving that in. Oh, good. I'm in no <laughs> way... I don't eat Tide Pods. I am in no way eating an actual Tide Pod. I'm we do here. not endorse the, the eating of Tide Pods on this we, show. We do there not. goes our sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> These delicious ramen candies, though. I'm going to eat the hell out of them. ramen the safe alternative to Tide Pods. <laughs> <laughs> they still get your clothes lemony fresh. Clean you from the inside out. Hashtag don't put them in your laundry. What I'm going to do here is cast Good Hope, which I can actually get. I can actually get all three of, let's see, my two bandmates and Jim. Jim's not more than 30 feet away, is he? It doesn't. No. Okay. These are five foot squares. Right. Okay. So I'm going to cast Good Hope on the whole group here. That means they get a plus two morale bonus to saving throws, attack rolls, ability checks, skill checks, and weapon damage rolls. So it just negated the, the basically the negatives that Jim took from this attack. Yes. That's Sweet. awesome. Well that's done. good for a, a minute per level. So, And I don't know if the listener at home knows this, but a combat round is how long? Anybody? Anybody? Six, Six seconds. seconds. There you go. So that's a lot of combat rounds, friends. Awesome stuff. That's good. That's quick math. Good ciphering there, sir. Good ciphering. Thanks, <laughs> pal. For you guys. You're like that Jethro Bodine fella. He knows his 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 gazontas. Yep. No my gazontas. <laughs> I love that. I'm so glad you got that. No, everybody else. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> uh, one gazinta one once. So that would be Jim. What you doing, man? I'm gonna attack the one closest to me since you said he was hurt near the edge there. Yeah, he's he definitely looks. Uh, Volkov, guard my hand. Your damage suck. You rolled two ones for damage. Yeah, I know. How did that happen? Dice are cursed. I'm not Digital doing dice suck. I'm not dicing well tonight. <laughs> okay, so the 11... Misses. Is, I think so, yeah. Yeah, the 11 misses. Your hand was, was not guided as well as it could have been. I got all my good dice rolls while I was gambling. This one is still attacking the gnome. This one's still attacking the lady. It has killed her completely at this point, and it's just oh. worrying with the body. That's too bad. This one is going after the, uh, these guys, the bandmates are fighting these two, and this one's coming after you. Here we go. 17 does not hit. 21 does hit. Yes. All right, so it does five points of damage, and, and I need you to make a fortitude save. Blow it again. Nope, oh. made it by one. Look at that. Oh, finally. There you go. And you would have had bonuses to it from, from the buffs. So, from the dwarven bard. Yeah, you're good on that front. Sweet. Back at top of the order. What are you doing, Steve? 
Gargling hates ghosts. You know what? This one at the end of the stage, I'm going to I'm gonna try and smack. That's not a very barty thing to do, but I'm gonna do it anyway. You got hammers, man. Lay the stick yeah. it out. So I am going to uh give him a hit. That's a hell of a roll. Yeah, it is. You definitely hit him for nine points of bludgeoning. You see the, the ozone kind of energy that you're used to when you activate your uh, your hammer's special ability. You see it kind of crackle, and it makes full contact with this thing. It kind of knocks it to the side, and it seems like it, it, it's it been hit, but it doesn't react as if an individual who had been hit or struck would react where it looks at who's hit them. It looks like it's just very focused on attacking what's in front of it. You can also, you detect a strange chemical smell in the air. It seems very, like, acidic. It's just a very odd odor. So then we go to... Jim, what you doing, man? Whoa! There we go! Finally. Nice. A confirmed crit? Your first attack was a one, but yeah. your second attack <laughs> is a confirmed crit. Yeah. I, I drop so, the sword, uh, it bounces off the floor and hits him. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you you know your first strike with the falchion is kind of this uh, this this sloppy kind of stroke and the thing you know your blade moves right through it and it looks like it's getting to to come at you with this overhand strike and claw you in the face and you return and the astral razor he watches it kind of wreaths with this ghostly energy and rips into the body of this thing and just completely dissipates it uh, you know it, it kind of sparkles and. Sp- and then you, you kind of throw me a perception check. You don't notice a damn thing. <laughs> You're right. It, I'm, I barely it, know where I am, dude. Right, as it bursts into vapor. Uh, <laughs> pretty. That one's down. Sauce, man. Wow, pretty. So the, uh, the, the, the bard, the, the human bard, um, he, uh, the mandolin player, Alec, he actually manages to dispatch of his combatant. So that's his round. And the orc leaps on this one. And actually makes contact, so he's wrestled to the ground. He seems to be kind of a like a like a I don't want to say like a luchador, but he's definitely kind of moving around like a wrestler, like a grappler type fighter. Hmm. So he's kind of going to town on this guy over here, and that's their moves. And then uh, back to the top of the order, Steve. You could take another swing. Oh, is that me? Yeah. Um, yep. Sorry, I thought Jim was going first. I got myself all befuddled. Oh, he Look did. Out. He... Look out, Gargamel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the monsters are coming for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll take another swing at this guy or this ghostly thing guy. But well, there we go. Uh, yeah, you hit. There you go. That's a hit. Six points of bludgeoning, and uh, poof, you you make contact with your weapon. Um, there's like a, a whiff of ozone and kind of this weird acidy smell, and then it's gone. I want you to throw me a perception check real quick. Okay. Yeah, you you are keenly aware. Your hammer is wet. Yeah, yeah, it's wet. Wet with wet with what? That you don't know because uh, we're in in six second combat rounds. But it's oh, yeah, right. it, it's slick with something. It's weird because you wouldn't have expected that to be the result. Jim, what's your move? I'm gonna move over here and engage this guy. I'm gonna lay on lay on hands again. All right. So the holy energies of uh, Volkos the Traveler rip into it, uh, dispelling some of it. This one looks like when you hit it with those energies, though, it starts to uh, it starts to kind of drain from it. It's almost like a mirage, like you're used to seeing mirages on the on the sands. Hmm. It it fluctuates. And it's very strange. Next thing you know, the 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 orc is like, uh, what what? And uh, his combatant is gone. 
and um, then we would be back to top of the order. So this, the guy on the far side of the room, he's the last one there. Yep. Or he's the last of the, the creatures. I'm going to head his way. I don't know if I'll make it all the way over with my speed, but I'm going to head that way anyway. Okay. So I guess that's my move for this round. All right. Well, I mean, if you two have full move action, full move is times four. Oh, well, then yes. I'll do that then. Yeah. I guess that'll put me all the way over there. Uh, Jim, that first one hits for six. That second one, uh, yep, it's a confirmed critical. For seven, yeah, so so you're, you strike through it with your astral blade, um, you're bifurcating it, and uh, the thing kind of, it's almost like a soap bubble, fluctuates and moves, and then it's just kind of done, it's gone. It's like um, if you've ever blown smoke into a bubble while you're blowing bubbles, uh, you see it at like hookah lounges or, you know, smoke their, their hand-rolled cigarettes. Uh, they occasionally do those sorts of things if they're into such uh, novelty pursuits. But it's like as if smoke was inside of a, um, a soap bubble. When a bubble pops, the smoke just kind of vaporizes into the air. And the, the being is gone. Uh, and you're, you're left in a fairly quiet uh, establishment, which is normally full of life. And the lights, uh, all the candlelight and everything sort of returns. It comes back. It's no longer kind of gloomy and dim in here. I'll give you, I'll give you two rounds to, to kind of look around. All right, well, I'm going to move here and sit down and go, whoo, because I'm still feeling the effects of that crazy dwarven booze or whatever. Right. And I'll say, well, Medfred Gargolin, thank you for your hammers. Uh, I'll walk over anytime, of course. Um, I, I take a look at my hammer to see what it's on it or why it's wet. It's a, it's a like, um, a, a, a briny substance. It's got a, uh, like a crimson hue to it, but it's not blood. It's very thin. It smells kind of like leather and 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 uh, rose petals. It almost has the consistency of like an alcohol or something. You got something, something all over your hammer, there, friend. <laughs> well, these things happen in battle. Is there a knowledge check that I could make to see if I know what this is? If you have maybe crafting, do you have any crafting skills? Uh, armor smithing and weapon smithing, but uh, nah, I don't, I don't think you have any. A, a base knowledge check or bardic knowledge check would be about all you got. And that's all that's left behind by these guys. There's nothing else. No loot. I mean, like any other kind of residue <laughs> or. No, there's just a vapor and what was left on the weapons. You know, as as you're kind of looking and pondering, Steve, as you're you're looking at your hammerhead and kind of pondering this over, this dumpy little human uh, dressed in silks of deep purple kind of rushes up to you, and he says. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, very well done. Well done indeed. We will we will be sure to book your band many times. Thank you. Uh, you have done a great job. You are very adept, not only at playing the music, but of slaying whatever that was. Uh, and I am greatly appreciative of, your, of what you have done here. And you seem to have uh, laid them low before they could cause uh, too many casualties. It looks like I have only lost a dealer and... Oh, that fine woman over there and uh you hear kind of from over the over the corner by the bar uh merkel goes eh, there's a there's a dead guy on the bar and you guys look over and it's the elf who you guys were betting with earlier who's at hmm. the betting table goes um maybe someone should summon the hounds there's a lot of there's a lot of bodies here tonight i'm gonna go check out the elf all right you make your way over to the elf do you have any medicinal knowledges? I'm going to give you a perception check real quick. Okay. 
Yeah, no, I don't know if those knowledge is, but I won't make Man, I ain't perceiving shit tonight. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you're looking, yep, that's a dead elf on a bar. But dead it, elf it, on a bar. Does he have any kind of markings or anything that would tell me like what tribe or what class or what caste or where he's from? Nah, no guild markings. Um, he probably is a street runner. More than likely works for one of the gangs in the city. Um, but doesn't have any kind of any anything that would denote him as being anybody uh, that would stand out to you. I'm going to jump from you guys because we're going to go to some other players now. I feel bad that some of you are just chilling, but... Oh, no, I'm into it. Okay, yeah. cool. It's like TV. Any... <laughs> exactly. That's all right. We'll drag out our portions. <laughs> so currently, you are standing in a small home. Um, laying on the floor is the body of a dwarven shopkeeper. Um, his face is bloated, um, and he seems to be caught in a silent scream his, his hands are kind of caught in these like broken fists kind of gnarled up and he seems to be um grasping at his chest and his stomach his eyes are wide in terror but the life from his body very much gone from your assessment he's expired about 10 hours ago uh, you've been around the dead enough uh that you're used to uh kind of placing time of death fairly accurately um, Ash, I'd like you to introduce yourself and your character to uh, the people at home. How's it going, everyone? Uh, my name is Asher. I am playing a elf barbarian, which sounds a little crazy, but uh, playing an elf barbarian named Savar, who is a <laughs> who is a um, hound of Mashkala uh, in a big city like this. The if the bodies build up, it's going to spread disease and everything. So there are the hounds that uh, deal with the bodies. Though what they specifically do with them, not everyone is aware, including the more introductory ranks of the hounds, uh, which I am one of. So all I know is that I get told, hey, clean up on aisle three. And uh, I roll out, grab what I need to, and head back. Uh, Savar is a about a 5'10 tall elf. He is pushing into his mid to late 400s. Uh, he was around before the gates closed and before the dome went up. So uh, he knew uh, everything before we went on lockdown. And now that everything is starting to open back up, uh, he's very interested to get rolling. But he kind of is bound duty, essentially, to continue doing what he's doing. So, yeah, that's uh, that's essentially him. Oh, pleasure to have you at the table, my friend. As I said, he's um, he's he's been sent on assignment. He's in a... Uh, I wouldn't call him. There's, there's not really a part of town that's reputable and less reputable. <laughs> this is a, this is a, this is kind of a place that's been stuck under, like I said, a dome for over 200 years. So most of it is seedy in a sense that, like gambling and brothels and cutting people's throats in alleyways and those sorts of things just kind of happen. Everybody accepts it. Uh, it's not necessarily that there's people out doing evil as much as there's people out trying to make the world as best as it can be for them. Um, people are really just out for themselves. So being one of the hounds you're used to uh, seeing in the bodies, um, this doesn't look like there was any violence, which is really kind of weird to you. Um, as you walk through the door, you know, you're given your assignment. Um, you're basically you guys, the hounds are sent out from these places called uh, the slabs and the slabs are just these uh, little stone tenement huts uh, that kind of have some bunks in it because moving bodies around, uh, normally you just transform them back to the slabs. Um, carts will pick them up. 
take them wherever they're going uh, to be processed uh, or sent to the churches that they need to be sent to um, or taken wherever the undesirable flesh needs to go. Uh, so you kind of don't necessarily have a home as much as multiple bases of operation that you work out of and can't sleep in. Um, so you happen to be uh, one of the hounds that was closest when this assignment came through and uh, they sent you out. So here you are. Uh, some of the things that you notice standing here, there's a table. It's a, it's a small wooden table. It's very ornate. Uh, it looks like it, it took a very long time to carve. It has some very nice stools with, uh, with matching. Uh, the legs of the stools match the ornateness of the tables. Um, there's a, a freshly made bed that's here in the corner. There is a great deal of boxes full of different rolls of leather over to the side. And there seems to be a table set up um, with some lanterns hanging above it uh, that look like perhaps the person who lived here uh, was a, a cobbler of sorts. Uh, seems to be a lot of uh, shoe and boot production was going on in this place. So um, that's kind of what you're seeing in here from first glance. What would you like to do? I think first thing is first, just kind of seeing the, the body the way it is. Okay. Uh, I, I, a quick question. Seeing that he's kind of in a bit of fear, how close are we to the husks? Uh, I probably at least, uh, I'd say at least half a day's walk. Okay, so not close. Yeah, you're pretty far away. Um, the husk for, for the listeners at home is a part of the town. Um, the, the town is, or the city is massive. Uh, and the population of the city doesn't even come close to filling it halfway. Um, it could comfortably fit double its current population um, and uncomfortably fit probably eight times its current population. Uh, the Husks is an area of the city that's um, it's been taken over by seers and kind of fanatics. People try to avoid anybody that's there because they uh, supposedly can, can read your future uh, for very di various different augury means. It's kind of like the dead part of the city, the abandoned part of the city. Um, and the only people there uh, are these individuals who are very gaunt and um, kind of live in this uh, strange monastistic, um, you know, like a like monastery-style life, almost a cultish sort of thing going on. Nobody goes there, so nobody knows a whole lot about it, at least nobody in the party. But if that's something they choose to explore at some point, by all means, go have fun with those. All right, cool. I was mainly just wondering because, you know, spirits and things like that. I think first thing I do when I walk in is, I mean, this seems like it's maybe a, a home just for himself, being the one bed and everything, but I'll just call out like, hello. You get a, you get no answer. Well, all right then. Mask up. Uh, the hounds have like masks, uh, basically to just try and prevent disease and everything. Being around as many dead bodies as we are, we kind of build up a little bit more of an immunity to it, but still just taking precautions yeah i guess i just uh I, I walk up to the the gentleman and just kind of inspect him a little closer now you've uh you've been a, a outfitted with a normal tool of collection um in the bodies trade which is a, a stasis bag um the hounds just call it a sack uh when the hound refers to their sack this is what they're referring to it's it's basically a uh stop laughing it's basically you think you you think it's so funny he's talking about his sack that's so funny I'm carrying my sack around. <laughs> it's it's not as funny as hot Legos still. Basically what it does is it it serves as kind of a if you can think about it in traditional terms, it's like a bag of holding, except 
it's the size of a body bag. It keeps the it lightens the load by half. So whatever uh, flesh, uh, bone, organ, organic material that you put into it, it reduces the weight of that by half, making it easier to lug a body around the city. Of course, uh, it also keeps the body intact and in a form of suspended animation while transporting. So uh, now, granted, nothing can breathe in the sack, but you're not really supposed to put living entities in there. But it's 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 just a magical way to, or an enchanted way, I would say, to transport bodies throughout the city. Um, so you have one of those. Now you said you wanted to inspect the body. Uh, do you want to throw me some rolls? Uh, yeah. Okay. Throw me a perception check. Ooh, pretty decent. Yeah, it's not bad at all, man. So what you notice is uh, on the lips of the dwarf, um, you see that there's a a tint, like a, a blue tint uh, on his lower lip. It's like a staining. Before I proceed, and he's like upright, right? Like he's not on no, the he, ground? Oh, he's on the ground. He's right okay. here by the stool. Yeah, he looked like he was sitting at the table. There's actually stuff sitting on the table. Okay, perfect, perfect. Because I was going to be a little freaked out if he was like paralyzed up in the air, like no, no. <laughs> standing. <laughs> All right, cool. We're in a big city. Drugs are a fairly common thing. I'll just kind of check out the table and see if I'm um, seeing any any empty vials. Uh... So what you see is, uh, and this is all about 10 hours old at this point, um, there is a plate with some, looks like maybe some goat with some species on it. Um, there are chunks of bread, uh, like a flatbread. Um, there's some long grain rice with what could maybe be an orange peel or a lime peel inside of it. You can't really tell because it's it looks like it's been uh, cooked in such a way that like a pigment has been added to it. And there's a freshly opened bottle of wine. Looks like uh, very little, if none, of the wine has been. And then uh, just checking about on the floor, like underneath the table, not seeing anything anything there. Uh, there's a glass, uh, you know, like a little goblet. Um, Looks like maybe uh, a napkin of some sort that possibly was in his lap. But that's about it. Gotcha. Um, goblet ornate in any way, or is it just a pretty straightforward? Yeah, yeah. Straight, yeah, it's pretty straight, normal. No, it looks looks like a pretty modest living. Um, the crafts and stuff that he makes uh, looks like the quality of the material is pretty good. But his uh, his his stuff, like his plate, his bed, this. Other than the table looking like it's an antique of some sort, everything just seems pretty mundane. Right. Okay. Yeah, just kind of sigh and I guess pull him away from the chair a bit towards the middle of the room and just uh, get ready to load him into the sack to get him on on his way. Awesome. Make a reflex check for me. Okay. Um, go ahead and make a fortitude save for me. Just made it. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Uh, go ahead and roll me an initiative dice as well while you're at it. All right, sounds good. Ooh, that's a low one. Yeah. <clears throat> um. All of a sudden, oh, put it on the wrong side of you. I apologize. You see from the top of the wine bottles a spectral figure. It's uh, it's blue, semi-transparent, and it uh, it lashes out at you with this uh, this kind of elongated arm. Um, it just kind of claws at your face, and the force of it clawing at you causes the wine bottle to topple off the table, hit the ground, and break. And this thing comes up from the puddle of wine and lashes out um, as it's trying to claw your face off. Understandably. Uh, 
It does roll a, a, a 10, which I do not believe hits your AC. Uh, yeah, not quite. So so it misses you horribly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, your reaction is whatever you choose it to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of a bit. You know, I, I've, I've seen some stuff. I'm around dead bodies all day. Um, right. You haven't seen this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spirits and coming out of spirits. Uh... <laughs> So I, uh, I'm definitely taken aback by a bit, um, but I mean, I, this is what I live for. I, I love exploring and figuring things out. So uh, definitely taken aback. I kind of stumble back just a bit, but ready for danger as always. I'm gonna pull out, pull out my mirage blade, okay, and uh, try and strike this thing down. Roll to hit. Um, I think I'm going Don. I don't think I'm, I'm gonna risk a situ- I'm, I don't think I'm in a risky enough situation where I, I'm gonna. Start pulling out some dusk here. Uh, let's see. That will hit for 15, and the second one will hit for 12. Uh, so, yeah, you do a fair amount of damage right off the break. <laughs> a 27. Good googly moogly. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So you, you slice into this thing pretty decently, and it, it, looks, it looks faded real quick. Um, and it... Uh, Kind of comes at you with a claw. And Ten will not hit you. Getting lucky. I'm gonna risk it, and okay. uh, I'm gonna pause for a minute just because it almost sounded like it was forming words. Okay. And uh, and just say, "What are you?" Okay. And hold my hold ready to strike it down if it still continues to come at me. Alright, it goes, uh, <laughs> sin. And, uh, it swings again. 21 hit? That'll definitely hit. Alright, take two points of damage, and then I need you to make a fortitude save. Whew! Holy <laughs> shit balls! <laughs> Damn! Oh, good job, son! That's a nat 20 fortitude. You're like, yes, ghost! Touch my sack! I am fine! <laughs> Lay your hands upon it. Um, yeah. So uh, it just doesn't see. It, it hurts you for two, but it doesn't drain any energy from you. Um, that'd be uh, that'd be you. I get a stupid idea. <laughs> Don't we all? I want to take the sack and try and capture the spirit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Roll the hit. Uh, I'm guessing just a straight roll. I'm probably roll adding, yeah, go for it. Probably not adding anything to this, I'm guessing. Because I'm not proficient in sack. Or Egon Spangler. <sighs> That's not very good. Did busting make you feel good? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a 9 on just a d20. I don't know if I'm adding anything no, to that. So yeah, that does not that's, hit. Uh, that's not going to hit. No, that does not hit. And I am coming at you twice now. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Issue crit confirmed. That's that's uh, gonna hit. Uh, let's see. Take here. ten points and a fortitude save. Two fortitude saves. Make them both. So yeah, it, it slices into you for ten. It's uh, cuts into you with its its chilled hands. I'm determined. Even if this doesn't work, okay. If it potentially holds it, it's worth it. <laughs> 
then I can maybe seek some answers from somebody else because I, I don't mean, know what this thing is. Right. So you should, nope. No, you do not hit it. You swipe at it again and it just doesn't work. Bring it, Sin. Uh, 21 will hit you. Yep. Yeah. Another five. five. Five and then make your fortitude save. <laughs> hey. There Let's do go. this all day. <laughs> yeah. You only have so many hit points. I'll do this until you die. You're right. I'm fine with You're it. right. <laughs> what about 14? Yeah, 14, you uh, you feel like you just wrap the bag right around it, but as it's incorporeal, it moves through the bag and gets an attack of opportunity. Right. 23, does that yeah. hit you? Sure does. Three points of damage and make fortitude save. That is a fail. Uh, 12 is a fail, so now you're slowed. All right. And then my turn, I'm going to go ahead and take my two swipes on you. 15 hit? Uh, 15 does hit. Okay, so take your four. 23 will hit, so take your three. That's seven. And then I need you to make two more fortitude saves. I'm barbarian. I got, I got pray, Oh, pray you make them. All right, there's um, one. There's two. There's two. There you go. You made them. All that right. would be, that'd be your roll. All right. I'm pissed. Back to the sword. Got quick draw? Uh, no. Okay, I'll so you draw. Drop the you, sack. Right. Pull your weapon. Yep. It'll be my turn. Yep. 14 nope. hits? No. Nope. 15, 15 does. So. Yeah. Five. Where are you at health wise? 52. Okay. And you make your save. <laughs> All right. Roll, roll the hit. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> we're, we're dancing, man. <laughs> hey, oh, wow. Look at that crit. That's a beautiful crit. So you get real good and barbarian pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> Swing up with your blade that looks like a mirage. Um, the, the, the light energy that ripples off of it just cuts into this thing and explodes it into a like, a, a, like as if you were dropping hot oil into a pan. It just crackles and it's gone. As this thing dissipates over the side of the, the wall next to you and, and your blade, um, it is now good and gone. Yeah, Smarts just pissed. Damn it. Just like, Mirage back, on my back, I pick up my, my sack, walk over to the body. You hear, a, you hear the familiar sound of a match being struck at the door. And you look over your shoulder, and uh, there's a lanky old gnome dressed in linen pants and a thick uh, silk patchwork vest. And he's leaning against the door of the dwelling, and he's puffing on this brass pipe. His head is shaved, and his beard is forked and full. His skin is very heavily tanned. He has uh, brass, old brass rings on every, almost every one of his fingers. And then he has uh, big rings of brass around both of his wrists and both of his feet. And uh, he goes, Now, what in the name of Barbados is going on here? Hounds were friends. Oh, he's, he's one of the hounds. Oh, he's okay. a, yeah, you recognize him. He's a higher ranking hound member. Yeah, he's not just a random stranger. <laughs> I apologize. Hey, you definitely <laughs> recognize him as one of the hounds. Um, yes, his name is his name is Folg. F-O-L-G, Folg. I'm just like, yeah, sorry, Folg. Uh, things got dicey for a second. What? I'm getting to work. What was that all about? What were you fighting there? 
I mean, I came in. The subject, he's got blue on his mouth. I was just kind of taking a look, seeing if he was a, a druggie or something. And uh, the bottle of wine, it had a, a spirit that came out of it. I tried to question it, and it basically the only thing that came out was sin. I'm not really Damn hell, it. you say. The wine done turned to a ghost. The spirit was a spirit. You, you heard me correct, friend. See, that's why I only drink that dwarven sugar water they make out of that cane. I don't, I don't mess with none of that fancy wine stuff. <laughs> uh, there's a they they sent me here to relieve you. There's apparently some trouble over at the third question. Uh, it's, it's one of those gambling parlors. Uh, they want you to go kind of wander over there and help with a larger body cleanup. I'll go ahead and take care of this one and take it back to the slab and meet you up there later. Got it. Uh, I don't know if it's anything much, but mind if I take the label from the, the wine? Uh, yeah, you could take whatever you want. I don't think he's going to be using it. Well, doesn't seem like he's got much family, or at least just the looks of the room anyways. So it's not like we have anybody sending him off with any possessions. So you go looking at the uh, the bits of bottle, and... Um you don't really actually find a label. That's kind of the, the weird thing. Um, it's it's just got like a... Well, go ahead and throw me a perception check. We're looking at a 17. Um, you, so on the bottom part of the bottle, um, you do find somebody has etched into the glass uh, the letters R and H in Helic. Helic is the common tongue of Maya. So like that's that's sort of a universal language that a lot of sentient races speak and use to communicate with each other. Um, and it looks like they somebody has has uh, carved the the characters for the R sound and the H sound onto the bottom of this bottle. But that's it. There's no other. There's actually no like label. There's no uh, stamp on the cork. There's nothing other than those kind of weird little scripts on the bottom of the bottle. That's all you're able to find digging through the glass. Got it. Yeah, I, I pocket it. Just say, all right, uh, where was it again, you said? Uh, yes, the third question. Got it. All right, and as uh, you head out the door into the night, you just kind of have a weird feel. Like, it's just a, it's like a, f a fucking strange feeling. Like, you just feel odd. Yeah, I mean, it's a little weird. And we are now going to jump to other players. All right, um, <clears throat> so jumping to YouTube. Um, you find yourselves in a massive courtyard. Uh, there's really tall stone walls that, wrap, uh, that are wrapped in beautiful silks. They're decorated by hundreds of small brass lanterns uh, lit by white wax candles and that cast the entire courtyard in a beautiful amber glow. Uh, the property you're on currently is uh, normally used by the Guild of the Magi for their spellcasting practices. On a normal day, these beautiful hedges uh, would separate plots of land where casters from the guild would enchant items, uh, practice rituals, develop scrolls, uh, work on their spell books, things of that nature. But tonight, the only touches of magic that can really be seen openly are uh, these, these beautiful hovering lotus petals that float about 20 feet or so off the ground. Uh, above you and there's just like a it's as if somebody scattered flower petals they just happen to be suspended in the air creating like an ambiance 
But rather than casters of all levels and schools, the courtyard is full of the social elite, uh, entertainers, dancers, caterers, and kind of the wealthiest um, top tier of shopkeeps, all trying their very best to court the newest caravan of travelers from outside the boundaries of the Dune Sea. This has only been the second great caravan uh, of travelers that have made their way to the city since the dome has gone down. The first, as I mentioned earlier, completely cleaned out. Every item bought by shopkeepers and guilds of Mareel and marked up and sold to the inhabitants hungry for anything new from outside the city. Um, you know, because the society has been without import for over 200 years, um, any taste of the outside world is, is, is exotic and fresh and new and fun and everybody is craving it right now. Uh, it seems that this newest caravan has brought uh, wool, iron, uh, wines, copper, uh, and a few uh, trading stocks of seeds uh, and, and agricultural implements, um, some just bric-a-brac, um, but mostly it seems to be uh, focusing on components uh, for crafting. Uh, the, the two groups seem to have joined together to make the trek across the Dune Sea. Uh, a parish of priests from a city called Amdrick, who are following the teachings of Cree. Anybody want to throw a, either of you two? Uh, you two, we haven't introduced yet, but we will. Manny and Vanessa. Um, do either of you want to throw me a religion check on Cree, if any of you have religion knowledge? I will do that right now. All right. Maddie. I want you to introduce yourself as a player, introduce your character, and then we'll we'll kind of get to your role. Uh, hello, I am Maddie. If you've been listening to the great old ones, uh, you'll know me as Allegan. But in this podcast, I am Emmerich Durain, Inquisitor, possibly former, of the Church of Kronos. Physical description. Yeah, man. So you're gonna fucking tell us about? We've got a voice. <laughs> I'm imagining Very, uh, like a, a, a rotund gnome with a, a like a goiter on his neck and a smoking <laughs> problem. Is that what he looks like? Because if not, you're gonna have to tell us at home what you look like, my well, friend. I didn't know if everybody listened to episode zero. <laughs> no, listen, it doesn't matter now. I'm drawing that gnome. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Damn he looks it. like now. Yeah, that's. No, be careful. Cannon. No. Yeah. <laughs> He's twelve feet tall. And- like a Greek guy. Now you're describing your storyteller, please. <laughs> <laughs> Emmerich is a half-elf. Very stern face. Right eye, I believe, is somewhat unremarkable, if not a deep hazel. The left eye, however, is a solid emerald. Uh, not many people know how he came across this. Usually he is uh, carrying around his scimitar and a shield. Uh, and he's usually not too far away from his companion. Companion is played by Vanessa. Uh, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself as a person and describe your character and introduce your character to us? Sure. So as a person, my name is Vanessa. And my character's name is Graciela Anastasia Blackfoot. She is a cat folk. She comes from a wealthy family that's lived within the city. Her mom runs an organization called the Church of Whispers. And she is young and displeased about having a companion. <laughs> yeah, in she's, some a gray, she's a gray cat folk with black spots and bright green eyes. In some folks, the, in some circles we call a companion a babysitter. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I do not have a babysitter. <laughs> I have a man that follows me around. <laughs> he is my handmaiden. The feeling is completely mutual. 
So, Hackle and Jekyll are sitting here at the, uh... <laughs> that was good. I haven't used that one in ages. So you guys are, you're, you're at this gathering. There's lots of people. Um, it's, it's a lot of people who want to be seen. It's a lot of people who want to, you know, um, show off. Uh, they're, they're all dressed in their fineries. Lots of jewels, lots of very low cuts, lots of people with their oiled up um, manservants walking around with them to show off their you know their their token uh, significant others whoever they may be this is this is a, an area of opulence and um, and wealth on display this isn't your normal like red carpet oh look I'm wearing a, a dress isn't that cool I'm wearing this fun designer this is like very much a phallus beating contest uh, occurring through the the elite now Maddie you went ahead and made that roll you would know uh, from some of your studies the Cree is uh, God, um, lawful good. Typically, uh, he is worshipped by viziers, fighters, and paladins. His domains are glory, good, law, nobility, sun, and war. Uh, his favorite weapon is a long sword. And he is normally represented um, as a uh, dark-skinned human with the wings of a hawk. And he comes from the, uh, the elemental plane of air. So he's, uh, he's t typically not a deity that you would see in these areas. This isn't one of your, your local uh, worship deities. So this group of priests, they're, they're wearing, you know, the vestments, which are, which are uh, gold-colored robes, not gold robes, because in this heat, they would die. This, so they're, they're, they're robes that have been dyed gold. They all have a, a feather that they wear around their neck that is actually cast of gold. And they just seem to... Um, want to talk to anybody who will talk to them about the you know the teachings of the the sky and the feather uh and how kree can lead them from darkness and put them on the right path um and they're very kind of pleased to be uh in this group the caravan itself you guys notice uh is not necessarily of the same social class as the people who are trying to court them so it would be as if somebody took uh, a person like myself to one of these glitzy glamour gala events uh, if I was wearing a band t-shirt and jeans and everybody else looked uh, dressed to the nines, I would be completely out of place and kind of confused which fork to use. The caravan is, is very much the same. They're traders. They're, they're you know, uh, shopkeeps that move from point A to point B. They're not used to this kind of attention uh, or wealth. Some of them are leaning into it. Um, they've kind of got uh, the realization that they can sell the goods that they've brought for triple the amount they were going to sell them for. Some of them seem very intimidated by this. Um, they're they're kind of confused, a little off-put, but as a general tone, the party is going quite well. The gathering is, is really going uh, smashingly. So you guys can kind of make yourselves, uh, move yourselves around as you wish, kind of take in the sights. There's, there's events going on uh, over here in this top corner corner there's events going on over here uh, this area seems to be kind of barren of people there's a statue over here you haven't had a good look at you guys have actually never been on this property before this is the first time that you've been into this property so you kind of don't know the lay of the land um so what are you guys doing i'm gonna start just slowly meandering around like eavesdropping on people seeing who else is here seeing maybe who's not here and just like you know make i'm gonna take a lap all right, that that's gonna get you a lot of information as you're moving through. Uh, Maddie, what what are you doing? I am 
with following with her uh quick question am i am i armed yes you guys are both okay. armed yeah okay. they're not going to take your weapons away everybody's okay armed. okay uh and as we're walking when i notice that she's not tuned into a conversation i'll just lean in as curious as i am to see this blade that you're after i must once again object to what we are doing here you don't like parties no okay i just walk away from him okay which direction is she gonna go over that way while you're over there you're hearing a lot of talk um it seems it seems a lot of the social elite are discussing artifacts that have been brought into the city um there seems to be uh for the, the listeners at home um so Mareel is one of seven cities. There are the jewels uh, of the desert, and these cities um, all went under the domes when the domes went up. When domes fell, Mareel was the only city that was left essentially standing. The rest of the cities encountered some sort of apocalypse uh, of some kind. None of them the same, but all of them have fallen except Mareel. And now there's a fairly lucrative trade of people leaving Maril and going to the other cities to loot them for, for valuables, artifacts, and treasures, uh, bringing them back to Maril to sell to different pawnbrokers, uh, different artificers, uh, chanters, magi, um, different people who would be interested in all sorts of things being brought back. Um, so at one of the, the conversations that you seem to have wandered into at this point, is uh is about uh how somebody has just brought back a shield um and it's very interesting because the shield seems to have the ability to absorb negative energy <coughs> um if you uh what they seem to be saying is that if you are a caster who can lob negative energy or conjure negative energy from the beyond uh, this this shield, which seems to be a simple wooden shield with a very simplistic rune drawn on the front of it, it actually drinks in that negative energy and um, siphons it somewhere. Um, no enchanters uh, seem to have been able to figure out where exactly uh, that energy goes to, but that seems to be kind of the focus of the conversation that you're lingering near. Um, go ahead and make me a... Uh, I would say it does dexterity check <laughs> yeah so so uh <laughs> one of you is unnoticed and the other is a is a gnome with a goiter and a smoke no <laughs> so one of you is unnoticed i think the term lumbering jackass is and the other, yeah the other is a lumbering jackass so they kind of see you just standing there and they all kind of look at you and they and they they move away um, as if you've been dropping ease, Mr. Gandalf. I, I try to move away with them, like, what are you doing here? And I just, like, back away and turn to the person next to me, and I'm like, they let anyone in nowadays. Did you smell him? He's terrible. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't seem to be working, unfortunately. I'm kind of looking at you, like, um, and you, you bought yourself a little bit of space now. I just give a polite nod to the folks and continue moving through the crowd. Alright. You make your way over here. So there's a, there's a lot of these little flower beds. Um, they stand about three feet high. They've got these pink lotuses that are actually growing from them. You assume that um, 
the, the projections of lotuses that are hanging in the sky above you are to mimic the lotuses glowing on the, growing in these flower beds and these groves. Over here seems to be um, a, a small uh, stone building that has been uh, turned into a type of um, like bar catering area. There's a lot of food. Um, there's a lot of alcohol. There seems to be people kind of tending to the uh, catering to anybody who comes over and is hungry and wants to eat. There seems to be a large crowd that's congregated around that. Over here, there's a, a statue. Um, it's it's sitting on a raised uh, diocese of uh, of stone. It seems to depict. Uh, it's, it's about twelve feet tall, and it's a hooded figure sitting on a throne. Although all you can see of the figure is a uh, is a shroud, so it looks as if the entire figure who is seated upon this throne is shrouded. And the area where the face and chest hole would be is just a, an empty void. That's interesting. And I would we have any idea who that figure is? No, it, it's actually the only time you've ever seen any kind of depiction of this anywhere in the city. Like, um, if you want to go ahead and throw me a knowledge check, uh, both of you can throw me either history uh, or religion. Okay, that religion might get you some. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So that's a 31. That might get you some. <laughs> On a non-crit. That's, nope. that's, that's no a one. That's no good. You know what? That's a statue. That's, that's a statue right there. So that person's been sitting there for like hours. <laughs> he must have to go to the bathroom so bad. You don't know what he's doing under that cloak. He could be doing anything. Oh, God. So, Maddie, you kind of recall like vagary. Uh, that there, there may, may or may not be, um, statues like this that would be iconic towards the negative energy plane. Um, but you're not necessarily sure if they're seated figures or standing figures, but just the, the area of, uh, the head and chest being an empty cavity, a kind of a, a pitless cavity, um, seems to resonate something in the back of your mind where you're like, I've heard of things similar and you can kind of put two and two together. Um, and the, the people earlier were talking about a shield. Yes. A that shield. potentially, and was that something somebody brought into the city or just an artifact of discussion? You, you picked up what I told you. So <laughs> I don't know if you remember or not. Do you, it's whatever you I remember from the passing conversation, my friend. They, they, I think they found it in one of the other ruined cities, and it's been mm. brought into our city. I think. Make a roll against short-term memory. <laughs> True now, I said it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to head towards the bar, because I feel like maybe there's a better conversation happening over there, and I'm going to take like try and do like a, a quick scan around the room and see if I can find uh, my, my buddy Sammy, who I came to this party <laughs> looking for. She's actually, she's over here, engaged oh. in conversation with one of the priests. All right, well, I'm going to head towards her then instead. Okay, you want to tell the, you want to tell the party, or the, the listeners at home, what exactly you're doing here? Sure, so I've come to this party because there is a, a woman who runs a lot of the brothels in town who has a weapon that seems really super cool, and I would like to steal it from her. Uh, if I can. 
And her name is Sa- Samarel? Samarel? Samarel. Samarel. Yeah. Samarel. Yeah. So the plan of tonight is to try and like assess maybe if it's real or not, maybe convince her that it's not real and try and get it off of her. It's a good plan. It's we'll see what plan. happens. <laughs> I can say that with a straight face. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. And these, these bushes here are four feet tall? Yeah. Okay. So kind of keeping an eye on Graziella, I'm going to make my way around the other side. Okay. I want you to make a... Uh, 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 uh. You die. (laughs) I want you to make a um. I want you to make a will save right here before you start moving. Oh goody, seventeen. That's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, I like how hopeful you were. It's okay. Everything's all right. It's all right. It's okay. Everything's fine. (laughs) Seventeen. Um, you feel a a silence in the crowd. Falls over everybody. Um, it's like those, those, when you're in a, a very crowded place and then all of a sudden everything seems quiet for a split second, the air seems to vibrate. Everything seems to kind of hum for a second. You feel very uncomfortable, very disorienting, and then it's gone. But for just a split second, as your eyes passed over the statue, when you were watching her travel around the, uh, around the hedges some connection between your eye, your emerald eye and the statue was made and you felt reality hold its breath or as if it was vibrating for a second it made you feel incredibly uncomfortable okay i'm going to remember to see if i can do any more research into seated hooded statues okay later on all right carry on with your movement sir I was coming around this way. Yeah, I'm just trying to a little bit eavesdrop on her conversation, see if I can figure out who she's talking to, what they're talking about. I'm not dropping no eaves, Mr. Gandalf. <laughs> I would also like to know where her four henchmen are. I would also like a million dollars. If I had it, my friend, we would all be set. <laughs> so this is the priest who seems very interested in having a conversation about his faith. And this is uh, Simriel, who is hanging out. Uh, she's She seems ever so interested in everything he has to say. She's very pleased to be there. Please tell me more. I'm very interested. Uh, and these are her uh, very similar-looking, almost eerily similar-looking, uh, for uh, lovers slash uh, bodyguards slash chauffeurs her squad that she never goes anywhere without. And they're all these burly, kind of pale-skinned figures wearing uh, the parachute kind of genie pants. They all have large scimitars strapped to their backs. Um, And they're just kind of doing the guy at a bar arm flex thing. So you guys are kind of making your way over to this crowd. Uh, How close are you planning on getting to her? How well can I hear her from this vantage point? Like, how many other people are at this party? I would say there's probably close to 100, 150 people here. It's pretty fucking crowded. Just in this courtyard? Yeah. Because I would like to, if possible, I would like to stay where I could hear her, but maybe maybe she doesn't see me yet. That would probably involve a sneak check of some sort. All right. 
There we go, 23. Yeah, you can probably get within, I'd say, 20 feet of her. Now, Maddie. Yes. Are you going to follow? If I see her going into stealth mode. Yeah, I think we're talking. I click the thumbstick. I'm in sneak mode now. You watch her crouch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Conspicuously. Um, I am the I, shadows. <laughs> I am the knight. Okay, Darkwing. <laughs> if I see the, the cat butt wiggle. Uh, <laughs> no, I will not follow, but I will, keep an eye, I will keep an eye on her. <laughs> All right. You could try. Just, he's only got one. <laughs> but he's trying to keep it on you. Um, okay, so you're gonna get a lot gaze, but she seems to really be interested in everything that this guy has to tell her about the parishioners at his temple, uh, how people come to pray, um, how people are always giving offerings to Kari, how Kari is, is the most noble of deities. Um, you know, the reason that he runs the elemental plane of air. Uh, is because uh, in the first age he slayed an ancient being who had used uh, magics to, to cast the whole of Maya in darkness, blocking both the sun and the moons, uh, their light from being able to touch the land. Um, and how Kari was, was truly the most noble and powerful of the deities, um, and how he's very very confused how nobody in the city follows him and there isn't a temple and maybe maybe these holy men should come to Muriel and set up a temple and she's like oh well that would be that would that is a lovely idea and I would be happy to help you find uh, a place to do that and she, she just seems incredibly accommodating um you can tell she's kissing ass is like she she's, full of shit like does she, she's yeah yeah, she's 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 interested in, in everything this guy has to tell her about the outside world because knowledge is power, and you know that's the game she's playing. So she's you know she's very much um, into this whole kind of benevolent uh, role. You would wager that if he was aware of her daily job uh, and what she does for a living, he may or may not be appalled by it. Um, because some religious folks can take uh, take a bit of an ire to those kind of situations. So, you know, that's that that knowledge you can use however you see fit. She is carrying Ephraim's razor, though. I'm gonna walk over and join their conversation. Okay. <laughs> she she uh you know all the you see all of the the guards tense up. Yeah, I just walk right past them. Like I do not give a fuck. Like I'm okay. just like I I can be here. Oh. Hmm, little little Blackfoot, I see you've joined us. Please, please meet uh meet meet Abbot Koresh. Abbot Koresh. Uh, uh this this is the youngest of the Blackfoot daughters. Hello, Abbot, well met. Oh, it's so good to meet you. Are you are you also a, a lover of of lore and, and ritual? Oh yes, I think you will find most of this party are very interested in what you have brought to our city as far as your great and powerful Cree. Oh yes, he is he is truly wonderful and, and powerful. He he comes from the sky and he gives us all benevolence. His teachings are how we lead our day-to-day -day life. Have you come to seek the, the wisdom of Cree? But of course. Oh, that warms my heart. That warms my heart. Uh, let me let me take you and and tell you about all of the things that he can do. Uh, the clarity that he brings to your life as you shed your earthly possessions and take upon 
the the nature of knowledge that he fills you with the sky opens up your mind it becomes so clear when you are no longer fettered as i see this guy taking over the conversation and kind of postulatizing right i'm just going to casually walk up hands behind my back not you know just very not threateningly right well met priest oh hello uh you are make sure that my emblem of uh chronos (laughs) is hanging out of my shirt Ah, a follower of the god of hours well met good sir this is my handmaiden emmy (laughs) truly a lover of the faithful you you keep a handmaiden with you and emmy what a lovely he's not capable of taking care of himself so i have taken him in sort of you know out of the goodness of my heart you are very gracious (laughs) blackfoot to help me in my hour of need. I know you are so incapable. Bless you, Lady Blackfoot. The truly the wonderful works of the holy and righteous are being enacted within the city. It does. Originally, when we were to travel here, I was very hesitant to bring my my people with me. We we felt we must come to the city to to teach you the ways, but you seem to have found them in your heart of hearts. Uh, truly such good people live in the real, uh, uh, wonderful, uh, this abounds, I am overjoyed. I see you have met my friend Sam, Samriel. Yes, that Samriel. Samriel. I see you have met Samriel or her and her friends joining your, uh, your following as well. Oh, they are helping me to find a plot of land so that I, I may possibly put a small temple in your city and we may continue to spread the the feathers of light to all who are willing to listen. And she goes, yes, we are. And I actually would like to introduce you to one of my friends, a land baron. Would you, if you just follow me this way, I am I sure we could. Very surprised that she is willing to assist the Church of Cree. And why would that be? She looks at you. I was just marveling at that blade you carry on your hip. Ah, yes, the razor of Ephraim, a holy relic, an artifact, one that was passed down from the gods. I, I, I love all things uh, religious and pious. I was just reading the most fascinating no- a book on that the other day. The histories of the razor, where they came from. Does Have it you take read? you twice as long to read? Well, sometimes Lady Blackfoot is kind enough to help me spell out the words, but I, I like to with her help. I like to go to sleep every night. I tuck him into bed and I read him lovely stories. We are making great progress. However, I was very interested in the part about the other blades that have been forged similar to that one that you wear on your side. Yes, Emmy is a big fan of shiny things. Oh, yes, well, you, it shines like the sun, the light of Kareeb, the dawn god. Of course I am very interested in such things. I am not dark and dour like others, sulking around at night in the shadows. Well, the darkness cannot exist without the light. I'm sure our friend Priest Abbot agrees. Well, the light does cast the holy shadow, but the light is more preferable to stand in. The darkness is always cold and without knowledge. 
I would understand you wanting to keep away from the darkness. If that were a real blade, I'm sure someone would want to keep their hands, get their hands onto it. But if that were one of the fakes, I would shudder to think about what would happen to someone. Perception oh, Annie, check. And I'm Annie. going to... Hold, hold on, both of you, perception check. Okay. <laughs> no, you can, you can keep on a roll, but Emmerich... Emmerich knows shit all right now. He's on a roll. Uh, Grast, on the other hand, she... Uh, you see all four of the the her guardians um, tense up the minute the word fake is uttered. And you see her straighten. Uh, Simriel straightens, just like... And tries... In a way, like, she's never thought about the fact that it might be fake or in a way in a way that she is deeply offended and trying to save face and did not do a good job on her role to try to do so gotcha i think yeah. i will see that she is offended yes and well, try and i like... was going to add a role onto that go ahead okay a little uh, an intimidate okay uh she she kind of cuts her eyes at you what was what was that action gonna be vanessa Oh, I was just going to try and like touch her on the shoulder, sort of reassuringly, um, oh. and say like, "Oh, I Emmy, mean, he's he is very excited about things. He read that there are a lot of fakes coming into the city because the caravans we don't know them. So sometimes people bring in fake objects and try to convince us that they are real to take our hard-earned coin. But I'm sure that would not happen to you. You are so wise, and you you have so many businesses." I was chosen by the Thief Lords. This is not a fake. This is one of Ephraim's razors. I know it to be true. And she just storms off, taking her guards with her. I'm going to turn to the priest and be like, oh my goodness, a Thief Lord. I wonder if she's still planning on helping me find that plot of land. Oh, I don't know. You know, she owns many businesses around town, so I feel like maybe she can give you one of the houses where her women, you know, sell their lady parts for money, and then you can set up your shop there. Wait, what? Sell the, sell the lady parts for money? Yes. I find it degradable. It is they, a noble profession. They peddle flesh? What, of course. What did you think she did for business? She... She said that she was a socialite, and that she orchestrated parties. Yes, many parties, including her and her four little uh, helpers there. You get parties of the flesh. He he just looks appalled. I I must go speak. Thank you for shedding light. Ah, uh, you truly must have been sent to me by the great one above. I must go speak with my my brethren. Please excuse me. And he okay. kind of wanders off into the crowd. Give him a, like a bow as he goes. I do not care about him at all. I'm like watching uh, Sam to see where she goes. Yeah, so she she's actually going to make her way over here. And as she starts to move through the crowd, both of you throw a perception check. You guys start hearing screams coming from this area. Oh, from where she's moving towards. Yep, from the bar area. Oh, look over there. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head that away and see what the, what the kerfuffle is. <laughs> There's a lot of crowd. Uh, the crowd's freaking out. There's gasps and screams. They are all surging towards the door. This sounds very familiar if you've listened earlier. <laughs> uh, there are quite a few of these beings here. 
Incorporeal ghost hair. Oh. Okay. So um, these uh, these spectral beings, they start. Uh, you can see them through the crowds. They're just slashing at people, tearing into people. They don't seem to be wanting to try to consume them. They just seem to want to hurt them. Um, their their skin is translucent. Their bones is transparent. They're kind of these semi. Uh, shade-like creatures with these long fingers, or no lips, kind of skin is tight over their faces, their jaws uh, you know, unhinge at weird angles, and they just are attacking the patrons at this party. Um, and a, you know, the crowd is surging and moving, um, making it difficult to travel through the crowd uh, as these beings are manifesting and attacking. And that would be initiative, guys. Okay, it's not bad. Not great, but not bad. 20 is pretty good. Good job. Yeah. Alright. I'm actually going on a 16. The priests are going on a 14. So they're actually going to go... Uh, they have a lower dex than you, though, Vanessa. So, Vanessa, you're going to go on a 14 as well. Okay. Um, he's going on a 20... Semriel and her goons are going on an 11. Okay. Um, any movement currently, and for the next three rounds, you're going to be at half because of the crowd. So, like, you ha you can only take um, half your normal distant move. That doesn't inhibit five-foot steps, but it does inhibit, like, if you're running from point A to point B or using, like, half your action as a, as a movement. Um, does that make sense? You guys understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so there's a lot of these spookies, spookies everywhere. So um, eight. First things first for you, Maddie. What are you doing? Uh, what kind of knowledge check would I need to identify these? Uh, you have an occult or a religion uh, or nature. I have religion. Roll knowledge religion. And I'm adding a plus two to this. Okay. So 26. 26. Um, these are clearly white. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're undead. So the typical undead weaknesses, uh, positive energy, monster lore. Yeah, that's basically what I'm doing. Nice. I like it. Oh, let me let me get you some more in-depth info. I'm a, there, I'm a big old nerd. What's read up on monsters? Hey, I'm cool. I'm cool with it. I like cryptid. <laughs> I like Bigfoot is my friend. I listen uh, to these two women speak at length. So, so you know that if if these things drop somebody, that thing that the person they kill is going to come back as a uh, as one Zombie of the ghost. Um, within 24 hours, you know that. Um, they're different classifications and types of them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that they can exist without air or food for long periods of time. Uh, and they're typically um, corporeal or tangible. So the fact okay. that these seem to be uh, kind of incorporeal and almost specter-like is throwing you off a little bit. Because everything okay. else is, is resonating with you as being um, correct. The look, the movement pattern, um, just the general vibe you get off of them. Except this seems to be a strange variety that you've never seen before. Um, that's, that's slightly incorporeal. So that seems a little weird to you. 
Okay, let me... I need it. Got this judgment thing that does a lot of stuff. That's cool. I'm gonna eat another tie. I mean, candy. <laughs> um. Delicious candy. Yes. So I'm going to draw my scimitar and shield. Okay. With the uh, with the uh, the quick draw. All right. I will seek justice for those that you have fallen beneath your claws. I am casting the judgment of. <laughs> you started really strong there, and then you just kind of. I know. I kind of. I am so sorry, everybody. That is <laughs> not the kind of. Uh, not the kind of thing that I want to continue doing. That was weak sauce. It was funny yeah, though. Really so I'm casting a judgment of justice. I get a plus okay. attack uh, for the rest of combat, and I accidentally hit that again. Okay. Uh, and you get two attacks. <laughs> you make contact and do eight points of damage to it. Looks like it tears into his uh, his ghostly flesh. Sends him staggering back just a little bit. He looks at you. You now have his attention. Opens his little mouth and it comes at you with a gnarled claw. That is my turn. Yeah, and now it's my turn. I'm going to move around a little bit and go there. This person's going to eat somebody. That person's going to eat somebody. That one's going to engage her guards. It's safe to say any of the ones that are on the table um, that you don't see engaged with a miniature are currently attacking somebody that was at the party. But this one right here is going to be swinging on Maddie. Does an eight hit? <laughs> the eight does not. With the roll of a one for damage. That's fine. Does the nineteen hit? The nineteen does hit. Awesome. So take five, and then make fortitude save. DC eleven. You made it. Good jab. So uh, it swipes at you. You feel like um, you remember that if these dudes cut into you, they're doing some some extra dimensional damage to your soul. Um, and you may want to avoid being hit at all costs. Okay. All right, Vanessa, what you doing? Uh, I want to try and hit this guy. Not a the one that's like closest to me. This one right here. Yeah, that one. I want to throw one of my 36 daggers. <laughs> Roll the hit. But can I be... I can't sneak because there's no one flanking him, right? And in well, Pathfinder, you only get sneak attack if the character is denied a dex bonus to their AC or if someone's flanking them. Good job. You did your reading. I can read. You can read. Um, <laughs> it's also undead, so you can't sneak attack the undead. Oh, good to okay. know. Well, then I will not sneak attack. I will just throw a regular old magic dagger at it. Regular old magic. That's what we go here for. What we go for at oldmagicgaming.com. Regular old magic. <laughs> not, not special magic. Just your old magic. That's that's what we're here for. Just classic magic. So a uh, 26 to hit. Fuck, that hits. Yes. <laughs> and then three damage. 
three whole damage. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> Whoo! You feel like you hit it. Yay! Can I like hide afterwards if there's a bunch of people around? I mean, there's a shit ton of yeah. You're you're really hard for anybody to see or even get to at this point. Um, yeah. Can I move a little further away from him? You can take your move action. Yes. Okay. Put myself in a corner. Um, then we are going to go, the priests, uh, they, they start, you hear chanting, um, you can see bolts of holy energy lobbing around, um, as they're unleashing their religious torrent on everybody. Um, there's some kerfuffle commotion over here, <laughs> clearly some fighting going on, and, uh, we're back to the top of the order. Maddie, what are you doing? My emerald lights up, illuminates briefly as I cast Barbed Chains. Ooh. Damn, son. What, 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 what is Barbed Chains? So I summon chains from another realm. Ghostly chains, if one will. <laughs> I am basically going to be making... I won't. <laughs> I'll be making an attack with my wisdom instead of my strength, which is slightly better. 12 is, I don't think, yeah, 12 is not going to hit, man. 17. That will hit. And a 15. That will also hit. Alright, so he will be taking 2d6 damage. Okay. And that is a swift action. So I'm also going to hit him with my scimitar. Alright, so these ghostly chains gotta rip out and smash into him. And now you're gonna swing at him with your scimitar. 16 will hit for 5 points. This thing uh, kind of evaporates into a puff of, of like wet smoke. Okay, is that average for a, a white? No, it is not. Okay. And I believe that is my turn. That is your turn. And now we jump to the whites. Uh, who are going... That one's going to kind of move here. These are joyously eating people. This one got hit by a dagger and doesn't seem phased, so it's going to continue to chow down. Vanessa, what's your plan? I'm going to hit him with a dagger again. i throw another dagger at him. Roll to hit. Boom. Oh, that... More damage. That'll hit five Yay. more points of damage. There you go. You've done a total of eight damage to this thing so far. He is lightly bleeding. He is. He has no blood, but if he did, he'd be. Uh, he'd need a band aid. I gave him an ouchie. Gonna, <laughs> Clearly. I'm gonna move over here if I can. Yeah, you can. You're, you're fine with movement. Can I see Samuel from here? Um. Yes. Can I, can I kind of see how she's fighting if she's using the razor? She does not appear to be using the razor. Okay. I'm going to, like, kind of keep an eye on her as I'm walking around people getting not eaten. Okay. So, um, we are on priests are going to town, making short work of some of these things. You hear a lot of praying, and then... Some stuff goes down. 
has stuff is prone to do. Gotta grab this miniature real quick. I'm just gonna have to use something to represent it. Like and then we good. fight a dragon! No. No. What the fuck? What the fuck is that? It's what? not what it looks like. <laughs> it's a spirit that? badger. <laughs> it is. I promise you, it's not a gigantic spectral badger. A giant blue badger. The peer on the board of play. I'm disappointed. Honey badger. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> he does not give a fuck. Well, you said dragon. This, this is worse. <laughs> Dragons sometimes give a fuck, honey badger. Dragons are intelligent. You can reason with them sometimes. <laughs> this, uh, this huge god. I... Is that to scale? Yeah, it's to scale. It's just not a badger. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of mad. It should just be a badger. Right? I'm like, can it be a badger? <laughs> no. No way it can be a badger. But I, I will, I will try to work a badger in for you later. <laughs> Because at this point, we just need a fucking spectral badger, right? <laughs> yeah, so the crap badger of the plains. A bad, a planar badger. <laughs> oh, God. So this uh, this huge spectral beast <laughs> rises up in the crowd. You know, like this a badger. Like a badger. <laughs> I want to know what it is. This huge spectral beast rises up from the crowd. Um... And of course, the crowd, the remaining uh, patrons who haven't been able to leave, they, they kind of surge and get knocked back. And you see, uh, looming above the heads of the party, is this 20-foot-tall, bloated and pot-covered beast. It's, uh, it's round, and it's sickly-looking. Uh, it looks to be possibly uh, like a giant, except uh, the undead variety of giant. Um, its skin is semi-transparent, it's glowing with a sickly blue color, um, you know, its teeth are large and flat, has a huge mouth, uh, its lips are gone, um, and it just kind of reaches out with its fatty hand and snatches up one of the partygoers and just snaps down on him, chomping it in half with its teeth, and you can see the upper torso of the party, uh, the person who was just kind of cowering in fear, fall through the ghostly body and thud on the ground with kind of a sickening splat. Um, so now this thing has appeared. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Oh, oh. Spectral badger. Uh, do you guys need a sack? I'm a man with a sack. Will it, will it fit in his sack? <laughs> I don't think the spectral badger will fit in his sack. How big is the badger's sack? The badger's sack is quite large. <laughs> Plus two sack of badgering. <laughs> I don't want to know what that attack is. <laughs> it's feisty. That's I all I know. It's I a, feisty, it. a mighty feisty attack. They have a smell though. The, the badger, <laughs> the, the sack badger has such a strange odor. <laughs> planar sack badger. I like feisty badger better. A pungent, feisty, planar sack badger. <laughs> oh. uh, listeners at home, if you're still with us, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and this is to figure out what role playing games. You know, I'm trying to figure out what sound effect I should give a spectral badger. <laughs> I got one for you. 
Oh, that works. There you sure. go. There's your stack badger. Stack Thanks, pal. Badger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna think that's a euphemism for something. <laughs> What's the sound of one badger stacking? Um, <laughs> all right. So the uh, this giant. I mean, it's it, it looks like a like a kind of a desiccated um, mountain giant. It seems very uh, hungry, really. Um, so that was that was its move. The priest let out a yelp. One of her guards is dead. That's who just got snapped in half. One of Samriel's guards is actually who got picked up and bitten in half. Ha ha, sucker. And so now we are at the... No, bitten, not sucked, bitten. Um, and now we're at the top. Maddie, that would be uh, that would be you. What are you doing? Can I identify this thing? Sure. Another religion? Uh, yeah, we're going to just use that as your identify now. Um, it looks like it's probably a... Oh, no, it hates me, because I had my wisdom. It looks like it's probably a storm giant. But like a spectral version. Yeah, but like a spectral, spectral undead version. Possibly as if killed by a white. Yes. Got it. And these whites are something weird that I have not seen or read of before. Correct, and a storm giant is a uh, is a no shit bad guy. All right, I'm stepping up to this dude in front of me, and I am trying a touch attack. Okay. Well, shaving first. Hmm. Shit's about to get really real. I'm just. Letting you guys know who've been sitting in the background for a second. Lord Keeper, uh, touch a creature to learn about its abilities and weaknesses. Okay. With a successful touch attack, gain information as if you made appropriate knowledge skill check with a result equal to 15 plus level plus wisdom modifier. Okay. Uh, so now I just need to make a touch attack. You do make it. You feel like uh, these things, it would be easier to evaporate them than it would be to physically attack them. Uh, either light or heat would cause them to evaporate quickly. Uh, that's that's it's like this knowledge just pours into your brain, and uh, you know your synapses start firing, and you gain memories that of, of, of events that you uh, have never experienced. But you feel like with this this knowledge that's coming through, uh, you get flashes of, of a sect of um, hooded, uh, leather-clad figures uh, using beams of light, um, searing light, possibly positive energy-infused uh, searing light to uh, dissipate these beings with with quick uh, efficiency. Okay. I will, uh, and I can see the, the priest down here. Yep. Priest, you must send holy light to that giant creature now! Alright. And that is my turn. Cool beans. Um, this thing is gonna grab another one of her, uh, 
her guards and gobble them up. Uh, he's gonna move to attack you. So, Maddie, this, this being comes at you. 15 hit? No. 9 hit? No. So this little this little kind of ethereal light is, is slashing towards you, but it doesn't seem to be making contact. Um, I would like... The only person who could really be able to see this. Vanessa, throw me a perception check real quick. That's good. You oh. see, um, there's a woman. She's dressed in a, uh, a gray robe. She has uh, long white locks. Uh, almost like dre- Her hair is almost like dreaded. Her skin is a uh, kind of a grayish ash color. Uh, her hair is just kind of piled up on her head, and, and like kind of a tower of hair with these locks flowing behind it. And she's standing, arms stretched to her sides, palms open, uh, on what looks to be a piece of, of very old wood. It's about uh, five feet long. Um, if you can imagine um, a very rough, rustic broomstick without the bristles. Uh, and she's standing upon it, uh, hovering above the proceedings of what are going on here. She's human? Humanoid. You can't make out a race from this distance, or her species, I guess, from this distance. And where is she? Uh, she would be hovering right about here. So, for our viewers at home, she's about um, 15 to 20 feet away from center mass of that statue, and she's about 35 to 40 feet up in the air. And what is she do? Is she doing hand motions? Or... She just seems to be standing there. She look happy? She, you're a little too far away to get a read on her face because it's dark and all those uh, luminescent lotus petals are kind of screwing with your vision. Uh, is she pretty? <laughs> From this distance, probably. Ooh. Pretty lady. <laughs> uh, I am intrigued. Uh, I'm going to move her this away. Which way? That away? Yeah. Okay. I know. I'm, trying, I'm making my way that away. Gotcha. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw one more dagger at that guy up and throw a dagger at. Roll the hit. Bye. Nope. That will not hit. Your dagger just kind of spirals off into the crowd. Pow! Pew! Somebody else gets hit by that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Emmy did it. So this priest, uh, searing lights this one. You think maybe he got your directions incorrect, but it works. Uh, it works incredibly well. Um, she's trying to fall back. Simriel is trying to fall back. Uh, she's just lost two of her uh, closest companions, lovers, and bodyguards. So she is visibly distraught. The bodyguards managed to take down one of the uh, their assailants, <clears throat> and then there's a rumble. Uh, it's a sound like uh, like thunder with no light. It's a 
It's a bone crunchy, god awful, sinew rending sound. And it seems to be coming from the statue itself. Things begin to shake, and uh, there's like a, a cacophony of noise. And then for a moment, the world goes silent. And then it sounds as if reality itself is shredding. And this massive creature lumbers out of the shadow uh, hole that was in the statue. It pulls itself into the Prime Material Plane. And it looks terrifying. I need both of you to make a will save. We're, uh... 19 will make it. A 9 will not. I'm shocked. You're shook. <laughs> you're, you're actually shook. You're not allowed to take an action this turn. Um, you're paralyzed with fear. The miniature I'm using, once again, does not represent the entity that is just trundled into the world. It's not another badger? No, it's definitely not a badger. What you see before you is a being of a humanoid with a, with a large skull for a head, um, draped in bones and f- rotted flesh, uh, corded muscle upon muscle. He looks to be um, like a kind of chubby, muscular human, uh, just massive. He holds in his right hand a 10-foot chunk of obsidian it's edged on one end and the beak of his bone face seems to uh, not really pay attention to anything else other than the fact that he has just birthed himself from the statue and he lets out this bellowing roar leave is all that you really hear come from him and uh, this creature is huge he's you know 10 15 foot tall but he's not a giant he looks like a human but he's he's clearly massive in proportion and uh he's just standing there with like a like a bull ready to charge breathing heavily uh as he looks around trying to figure out what is going on in front of him and he sees this gigantic beast and he just seems to revel in battle as he grows double his size to match the size of the beast. And he just plunges into it as if uh, someone was diving into a swimming pool. He just dives into the center mass of this thing, taking it and him through the back wall, uh, knocking the wall over and into the city. There's dust flying up in the air. There's rock and, and, and debris flying everywhere as this this thing that just came from the statue fully bull rushes this giant ghostly being crashing through a wall uh, out into the city. Uh, and that would be uh, end of initiative because you guys are no longer in combat because shit has officially hit the fan. I want to know where Samriel went. Uh, you can make your way over there. Yeah, I definitely want to make my way over there. And and in the cacophony of the screaming and all the people and whatever, I'm going to try and lift the sword off her. Okay. I actually am not watching what she is doing. <laughs> I am looking after this thing 
that just appeared, and I'm yep. going to make another uh, lore roll, so let me know when you want me to do that. Okay. I'll let you know when I want you to do that. Great. Uh, go ahead and make your way over to her. Vanessa. Okay. All right. Um, she appears to be dead. <laughs> oh, so it should be easy to get the sword then. <laughs> As do her two retainers. Uh, they all look to have been slain by arrows. Did I happen to see anyone shooting arrows in the fight? You did not. The only thing that you saw that stood out strangely in the fight was that individual standing uh, on that broomstick. broomstick. Is she still there? She is not. I rifle through the bodies. I loot all the bodies. <laughs> okay, we'll get we'll get to what you find in a second. Uh, back to, back to, uh, Maddie. I'll let you do this roll and then we're jumping back to the other side of the party. Uh, yeah. God, yeah. That's a low roll. That's Got a low roll, baby. man. Plus 14, dude. You're not, you're not entirely sure what it is. <laughs> it worries you. Yeah. Fills you with a sense of dread. So we're going to jump back to the other part of the party. So the guy in purple robes is very uh, um, grateful. Yes. How grateful is he? Like, you know, he throws a few little coin for our trouble. Oh, of course, of course. Yes, I believe he would happily give you at least, uh, probably at least 20 silver. Oh, that seems fair for my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll now we it. know what life I'll is worth. I'll split it with the dwarf. Me, me. <laughs> So as you guys are, are kind of standing there, um, one of the hounds of Mishkala comes through the door. You guys recognize, not not him as an individual, but you know what the hounds look like. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're body collectors. Um, Ash, by all means, go ahead and move yourself in and interact as you see fit. Well, here come the hounds to pick up that lady that was taken by the whites. Well met, Hound. There are there are, there is work for you here. Yeah, a little bit. I, I motioned to the woman who got taken down by the spectral whites or whatever they were. What uh, what happened here? Uh, we're not exactly sure. Some spectral beings came by, and my dwarf friend and I and his band dispatched them handily. Uh, what sort of spectral beings? They looked like whites, but they also had a ghostly pallor to them. Interesting. As if maybe I could keep them in a sack. <laughs> <laughs> but I had no sack at the ready, so I had to kill them. Well, friend, uh, well, friend as, a, as a sack wielder, I can let you know that uh, when it comes to white catching, it doesn't quite work the way you think it would. Very well. You'd know more than I would. <laughs> I'm going uh, to lay the sack next to the body, open it up. I, I take out my medallion uh, to the to death and uh, just saying a few a few words as I'm moving the body into the bag. And uh, meanwhile, while doing so, I'll just say, um, so uh, these, these whites, you say, did they uh, by chance happen to see where they came from? Did they just appear out of the walls? What happened? There was a flickering darkness. All the candle flames flickered in the room at once. And then all of a sudden, the whites came from nowhere. 
and all fled but the brave dwarf and myself and his band. And my band. <laughs> all right, we're the band. <laughs> I look at Gargoyle and I'm just like, uh, so again, what exactly happened? <laughs> I just told you what happened. <laughs> right, but without all the flourish. I, <laughs> lights flicker. Yeah, what happened? Uh, the, the whites came from behind the bar. People panicked. We stopped yes. playing. <clears throat> hey, uh, you want to uh, maybe go and see if you can find yourself any bottles that maybe have this, and I'll just like toss the bottom of the bottle in your direction. Hit me? Yeah. All right, I'll catch what you threw at me, and I'll, I'll take a look at it. It's got a, it's got some strange, uh, it's got helic on the bottom of it, um, which is common. And uh, it looks like it has uh, these two little marks. Um, you know, and you're like, go ahead and throw me a bardic knowledge. Okay. That's just like a regular intelligence check in yeah, the, the half of my level. Right. It's either intelligence or wisdom, whatever you want to use, it's higher. Oh. Gargolin knows F all. <laughs> There's an R and an H on the bottom of the uh, on the bottom of the bottle carved in into the glass, but you're not really familiar if it has any um, any importance. But I mean it could be like a game of match, so if you head back uh, to the bar and want to poke around, you could see if you could find anything that matches it. Yeah, I'll, I'll head back behind the bar and start rifling around. Okay. Um, like you do. The the owner doesn't seem really bothered by the situation. He just seems more like trying to set the tables back up, trying to collect any coin that's been knocked off the tables that people were gambling, more just trying to uh, reorganize. Um, he's a little shell-shocked. So that's that's kind of what he's going through at the moment. Uh, the markings on this bottle look anything like the flask I, I won earlier? It did nothing like the flask you won earlier. Okay. Uh, so you're kind of looking behind the bar, and you find... Uh, go ahead and throw me a perception real quick. Okay. Yeah, so you actually find um, four empty bottles that have no labels... Same kind of glass, same kind of markings on the bottom. I yell over to the barkeep. Um, hey, barkeep, where'd you get these bottles from? Oh, and he comes over and he goes, Oh, yes, I, I bought those uh, off the caravan that recently had uh, had come into town. Uh, I was I was trying to pick up something nice, something new. Uh, and they had, they had plenty of these, uh, like four or five... Uh, big wagons full of, of, of this wine. Um, they said it was quite good, and they sold it at a reasonable price, so I figured, why not pick up a few? I have a, a couple uh, that we haven't opened, if you're interested. I'll, uh, I'll take the bottles over to the, the other two. Or at least a couple of them, anyway. I'll say, this is what we found behind the bar, or I found behind the bar. Are you saying other other spectral beings came from the bottle that you brought, Hound? I uh, yeah, I called to pick up a body, and uh, he was a lonesome fellow. I looked around a bit because he didn't have any physical harm to him, uh, and I found a bottle looked pretty similar to this actually, and 
as I was fumbling around, one of the spirits rose up out of it, shattered the body to the ground, and uh, decided to wail on me a bit. Okay, we are not opening these. (laughs) (laughs) We consider that's a wisdom check. You don't have to roll. Probably a good idea, I'd say. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I know a lot of people that are good with bodies. I don't really have a lot with spirits. Wait a minute, and I turn to the barkeep. You're saying that this this caravan brought had barrels and barrels full of this wine, or carts and carts full of this wine? Oh yes, at least at least four carts full of this wine. And where is this caravan now? Uh, they are currently uh, they are currently at the uh, Guild of the Magi. Um, they're entertaining some sort of large gathering that's there. Someone needs to warn them. It won't. It won't be me. I, I'm looking at the other. T- I'm looking at the hound in the door. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm not looking at the know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Go <laughs> I'm good. I have too much other things to deal with. <laughs> How far away is the Guild of the Magi? Uh, Guild of the Magi is probably uh, ten minutes sprint from where you're at. I, I just look at the bartender. I, I look at the both of you. Cinch up or zip up the bag and. Uh, I yell over to the bartender. I'm just like, send word to the hounds. We're going to need a lot more bags. And I get a look at the two of you like, we ready to go? Are we going together or are you going to stay here? I mean, if there's more of these things, that just means there's more bodies. And it's kind of my job to take care of that. Fair enough. Let's go to the Guild of the Magi then. All right. Sounds good. I'm going to stick... these bottles in my backpack, though, carefully okay. so they don't break and spill ghost everywhere. Thank you for specifying. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to tell the barkeep, don't open any more of these bottles. Oh, okay, I'll try not to do that. <laughs> he, he's going to do that. He's just, he's kind of looking at you all like you're crazy. Like, you collect the dead, you're an alcoholic gambler, and you're a musician, and now you're all like, Running off into the night. He's very confused about the situation. <laughs> How the Blues Brothers started. Yeah, exactly. Uh. We're on a mission from the gods. <laughs> so you guys, uh, you're going to start making your way towards the Guild of the Magi? Yeah. 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 So you're hauling ass down the street towards the Guild of the Magi. You get, uh, you get about a block away, and you just hear, Leave! I look at the other two and I say, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> And as you're rounding a corner, uh, you're, you're looking at these uh, these stone walls. They're probably maybe 20 feet thick uh, that enshroud this courtyard. Um, in some spaces, they're you know they're high as uh, 30 feet. In some spaces, they're only about uh, 15 feet. Um, and this massive being. Uh, holding what appears to be a transparent giant of some sort comes careening through one of the walls knocking into a house uh, completely demolishing half of it and he's just pummeling this this spectral giant this this giant being is is wailing away at the spectral giant and you guys are kind of watching as these uh, these goliaths go at it Friends of yours? Nobody I know, brother. You may have been right about that body thing. 
and, uh, and they just move into the city. You're watching them just collide. It's like a miniature version of King Kong versus Godzilla. These two giants are just fighting. Um, people are swarming out of the out of the wreckage of, of this uh, the Guild of the Magi. It looks like uh, they're they're kind of um, training area where they do a lot of their spell casting, where they do a lot of their enchanting. Is being uh, you know half of it is just one of its walls has been fully demolished. And these two titanic beings are just fighting. And they're making their way through the city, um, beating the hell out of each other. And you kind of see them disappear behind a couple of buildings, but you can still kind of hear the sounds of their combat. Lanterns are coming on. Alarms are going off in the city. The city is kind of descending into chaos. And uh, I want all three of you to make a perception check. That 33 is beast yeah so the 33 unfortunately is the only one that is going to get any notice um the other ones are good but they're just not high enough asher yeah uh you see standing on the corner of uh the northmost corner of the uh of this with remains of the walls there's a hooded figure um and he has a quiver of arrows strapped over his back and a large black bow. And he kind of turns, and he looks out over the city, and if a silhouette could smile, you imagine that the posture that this one has would be a smile. And you catch just the briefest flicker of amber light from underneath his hood, and he drops off the side of the building into the shadows below. And that's where we're going to call it a night. Mother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just thought to cast an augury to find out whether I should get involved. In now this seems pretty well handled. <laughs>
Oh, that's great. All right, so we're going to jump over to you guys. Um. <laughs> and I've never worked in Roll20 before, you guys, so apologies. I feel like there's going to be a lot of me being like, how do I do that? It's okay. That's all right. I'm used to that from John Michael in the other yeah. game. <laughs> John Michael's played multiple games. I know he has, and he still can't find anything on his sheet. He I mean, can't, ever. All right, like, so I'm the like new John Michael. <laughs> When I'm right. editing, it's my own personal drinking game. I take a <laughs> my beer every time John Michael asks for something. Where is something on a sheet? Everyone keeps asking me about Roll20. Like, I've spent so much time going over these character sheets trying to figure everything out, and I still don't know, like, a good portion of everything on them. <laughs> well, the, the best part for me is I actually know quite a, deal, a good deal about it, but just like when we play traditional tabletop Pathfinder, I would send everybody to Matt, for all the questions because what that would mean is eventually matt would learn everything <laughs> and then i could be impartial as hell because i'm not gonna like i'm i don't want to help you with your characters once we once we get through conception like i want to be as hand off hands off on your sheet as humanly possible because i feel like if i'm in there helping you i can't control myself and then i'm like well what you could do to screw me over is this <laughs> and no we don't want that. i don't want that you might want that i don't want like deciding to just lose half your HP by trying to sack a spirit. <laughs> I'm gonna put a sack on a ghost. All right. I was rooting for you, man. I was like, hey, sack that ghost. Interdimensional you know, things, you never know if it's gonna work for sure or not. So I was gonna try it. So, I laughed at first, but then I remember the story of the Continental Soldier and right. I also feel like you lost more hit points than I have. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, Savars, you gotta remember, barbarians, they're healthy. I'm sitting at 84 max. Yeah, I'm gonna stand behind you a lot. That's before the rage buff kicks <laughs> and in. And throw me my, my tiny daggers. <laughs> By the way, that's everybody's homework, is to go Google the story of the Continental Soldier. Oh, I will. <laughs> well, it's a great soul. It's a great ghost story. I like it a lot. It's a ghost story? I'm yeah, it's one of my it. favorites. Uh-oh. <laughs> It's a good one. That's wiggledy podcast whack. material. I know. What is the rhyme, Matt? Wiggledy wiggledy whack. Get, get in my into sack. my sack. Yeah, that's it. Wiggledy wiggledy whack. Get into my sack. <laughs> it's gonna be my new pickup line at bars. <laughs> I've heard Matt use it. I'm gonna tell you right now. If you think I'm it editing, does not it, work. It doesn't work. If you think it I'm editing any of this out, you're crazy. Better not be. <laughs> it all this is what makes it totally worth it. Ah. <laughs> That's such good shit. All right. Gonna, my character's going to say that every time she throws a dagger now. <laughs> yeah. Wiggledy wiggledy whack. What's that? You don't have a sack. You don't know. What does that even mean? You don't know what I have. You don't know that you, if you actually know exactly what I have. <laughs> Today, 36 daggers. 36 tiny daggers. Sack me the daggers. Tiny dagger. All right. I'm going to drink some water like a healthy person. You don't have any Canadian club today, man? Did you not see me kill an entire bottle of it, like, while I've been sitting here this whole time? No. Yeah, man. Oh, clearly oh, Canadian. Like clearly me. Canadian. Fuck is whiskey. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's what I got up and got. And, boy, when it's 90-some degrees, drinking whiskey is not friendly. I, it's a great idea. It's <laughs> yeah. always good I got, stuff. I got yeah. warm real quick. I've already killed my glass, so. My beer is I'm feeling great. Gone. Let's do this. <laughs> what, are you, what are you drinking, beer-wise? You know, it's on sale at the Trader Joe's. It's an IPA, but it's purple and it has a little monkey on it. That's awesome. Ariba? Yeah, Ariba. Yeah, Arab? I was like, if you're $4 Sarah? for a six pack of IPA at the Trader Joe's, oh. I'm going to drink you. All right. Also, my beer koozie says, nice jugs. 
<laughs> Pleasant. Some random dude gave that to me at a beer festival. I was like, you're <laughs> fucked up if you think I'm not taking that. <laughs> What's really funny is in my head, I was like, it's an IPA. Is it stone? Like, that was what I was pondering. I was like. Wow. I drink you- much better beer for my podcast than I do in real life because I'm. <laughs> I was going to say, are you, because you, you're like the rest of us, you're cheap. Yeah. <laughs> that shit's four ninety nine for a six pack. Uh, right? <laughs> well, that's like me and my videos. I buy all the expensive stuff for that. That's like $11, $12. And tonight's session is brought to you by Bell's Oberon. Oh, that's a good beer. It's a fine drinking beer for that's DMs a good summer and beer. alike. Yeah. Bell's Oberon. Get yourself some today. Do you have an entire bottle of Jameson, Maddie? I have like a fourth, three fourths of a bottle of Jameson. At one point, it was an entire bottle. Probably. <laughs> they don't usually sell just three fourths. <laughs> oh, I know a guy. His name's Maddie. <laughs> That's you an empty Use bottle. that money to buy a full bottle. That's right. <laughs> I almost sent you to go get me find me some evil twin today because I was stuck at the house working on shit. I really wanted. I can't find Bikini Kill anywhere right now. It's fucking pissing me off. It's so good. Anyway, yeah, like I said, all I could find is that. What did I just have? The Picard Are we having like an alcoholic interlude where we're just talking about drinks? <laughs> no, right now? I'm, I'm out of beer now. So. Oh. 